0: Reproduction or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. (laughs) The mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world this is spaced out radio with host Dave Scott our we you can follow us on our website spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in follow Dave on Twitter at spaced out radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show.
1: Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh dad, you gotta stop haunting the you It's scaring them.
2: Alright, seriously, put down the pointy sticks.
0: Okay! Game on! Game on! Game on! <laughs>
1: Where it is.
3: All right,
0: all right, all right. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff.
1: Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? Hiya!
4: Toby
3: you bye bye They three kick are both here to football. start 2 1
4: Boost ignition and lift off
2: Good evening and welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. It's great to have you along for the ride on this Monday, May 22nd, Tuesday, May 23rd. If you're on the East Coast, hope you had a great day and night. Remember, you only have two shopping days left for my birthday, and I'm expecting some gifts here. Because I bring you this every single night. No, I'm just teasing. We are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's cabin, right here in the Great White North, as we are here seven days a week for your listening entertainment. We welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99 Rock the Key Down in in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We're also live on Spreaker, Spaced Out radio radio.com. KTLK the fringe FM. Joe, I love your station. Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, the High Plains Talk Radio Network. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station, financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. If you're rocking with us before the show, thanks that's thanks to our resident guitar god, Mr. Ron Bumblefoot-Thall, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Hey, if you're on social media, find us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. On Instagram, follow me at Dave Scott, SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm. Talk Stream Live player.fm and stitcher our website once again spacedoutradio.com if you go over to patreon.com for as low as a buck a month you can become a patron of sor now if you want to take part in this show you have to do me old dave scott a favor I need you to sign into one of the chat rooms because we don't do phone calls here. You can go on our website, click listen live, get into the chat room there. We're on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or maybe you're one of the lucky ones like Gail and Bill. And JP, who are in there right now. Robert from Australia as well in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, do me a favor. Use the hashtag Out Radio. I'll get to your questions and comments in there live as well. And yes, it is me responding to you because it's only me right now in Uncle Jimbo's cabin. If you head to our website for 5 bucks a month, you can become a member of the SOR Space Travelers Club. And as of right now, well actually last week, you can go on over and you can... Head into the Spaced Out Radio store, pick up a t shirt, a poster, an SOR sticker. We're also going to be making Carl the Alien candles coming very soon. We have a new news section called The Encounter Online, deals with everything paranormal and weird, and strange going on in the world. That's courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. You can also check out my latest blog there as well. And if you've had an experience you can't explain, fill out an SOR sightlines report. We're ready to check it out for you as well. Now, tonight we want to delve into the field of astrology because, you know what, it's literally been probably a year since we have taken on this challenge. Astrology is one of those topics for me that... I don't really understand. But in this field in order to understand the glue that brings us all together, we have to get into these topics that maybe we find a little obtuse. And I have to admit, I am very naive about astrology, probably way too naive, and that's why I bring on one of the best out there. As an astro shaman, Benjamin Bernstein offers both the soul-level insights of astrology and the healing power of shamanism. Choose either or both. His work? It's powerful, sensitive, compassionate, and effective. Benjamin also hosts iTunes number one astrology podcast and has been a best astrologer winner in 2013 through 15. After doing almost 6,000 plus sessions, Benjamin has fine tuned his ability to help clients master and challenge or master the challenge and embrace their own personal transformation. Benjamin Bernstein, welcome to Spaced Out Radio for the first time. Thank you so much for doing this. How are you?
5: I'm wonderful, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on.
2: Well, it's a pleasure to have you on because i got to admit, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to astrology, but it's something that intrigues me. So that's why we got you here for our audience is to try and break this down because I think a lot of people would look at it as some sort of hocus-pocus or something that really doesn't doesn't compute with their natural way of thinking. So before we get into everything that's heavy... I would love to know, what made you start studying astrology and shamanism?
5: Well, astrology came first. Um, Actually, I made a big life shift when I was 41 and moved from Oklahoma, where I lived my whole life, to Asheville, North Carolina. And I did that to be a professional singer-songwriter. And that didn't end up working out as a living, but after I moved here, I happened to be in an open mic and ran into a guy doing poetry named Kelly B. Phipps. And we became best friends, and he did a reading for me, and he amazed me. He told me stuff that, you know, I figured he'd have to have people following me around to know the stuff he was telling me from my astrology chart. And so he, I was intrigued enough that I took his beginning class and just, like, lit up on fire. It's like, oh, my God, I just had no idea I would love astrology so much. And I began studying it and, and really dived into it deeply. And within two years, he said, okay, you're a professional level. Go out and make a living. And I did. So I I stumbled into astrology totally by accident, and um, shamanism was very much the same. Um, a A few years after moving to Asheville, I started doing plant spirit ceremonies. I started with the San Pedro cactus in sacred ceremony and then moved on to ayahuasca, and have since done over 100 plant spirit ceremonies over a dozen years. And in doing that really for my own healing and awakening. Uh, During the course of all that work, the the plant herself, Ayahuasca, called me to be a shamanic healer and over many years of ceremonies transformed me and educated me both, you know, mental concepts but mostly just personal transformation to be able to be the energy conduit that you have to be to do shamanic healing work. So it's kind of funny, you know, I finally broke out of the matrix at 41 and left a a corporate sales job to come to Asheville to follow my dream of singer-songwriter. And that did not end up what I was doing. But all the coolest stuff I'm doing now that I love more than anything I've ever done, I didn't plan to do at all. But in going into a mode of synchronicity and saying, okay, spirit, show me what I should do next and really taking an attitude of service to other people, you know, all these amazing things have happened and I'm literally living a life that is Way more wonderful than anything I could have ever planned for myself.
2: Before <laughs> so, you before you t- very before you turned forty one, did you believe in any of this? Were you following it? Was it on your radar?
5: Oh yeah! In fact, my first wife, when my early twenties, was a professional astrologer, and even had me edit her first book because it had to be for people who didn't know astrology. And I, was, I respected what she did and, you know, knowledge, had some validity, but I just had no interest in it myself. And, it, and I, was, I was a hardcore agnostic leaning atheist until I was 17 until one day lying in bed I had a spontaneous out-of-body experience where I could feel myself tilting at a 45-degree angle while I'm lying flat on the bed. And I said, this makes no sense. And, and that was the moment when I had to admit to myself, okay, maybe there is something to this spiritual stuff after all. And within a few months I found a a meditation school in Oklahoma City I started attending, and and then I started having, you know, actual mystical experiences. So, you know, it took took a spontaneous out-of-body experience or partial. I was partially and partially out to get my attention and break me out of my highly skeptical mode because I was raised in a family where there was no religion, no belief in mysticism. It was just 3D is all there is. And... But my, I just had an experience I couldn't explain any other way. It didn't hurt that I saw a UFO when I was 16, either. <laughs> that also oh, you knocked have, me a little bit loose from you my You have to tell us that story.
2: You have to tell us that, because, you know, I could tell you right now, our crowd loves a good UFO story.
5: I got that from your website. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't that spectacular. It was pretty mild as these things go. But I was just walking in the, in, the in a public baseball park, You know, there were, like, some baseball diamonds in Norman, Oklahoma, where I lived at the time. And it was night, and it was kind of unusual because about half a mile off, a little up from where we were, there was actually a fire, and there were some police vehicles and fire trucks, and there was a lot of smoke, and it's nighttime, all this smoke up into the sky. And then above us, we notice there is this white orb in the sky, and it's got three little blinky lights on the side and we're looking up at it and it's going really slow, like maybe five miles an hour, and just very slowly creeping along above us. And and over the course of about twenty or thirty minutes, it it went from straight to all of a sudden making a, a turn back at a forty-five degree angle and came back the other direction. And then after a couple of minutes then shifted back to its original course and it's like right above us and, you know, going back and forth over us, and it's a dead silent night, and there's no wind, and this thing changes direction twice and makes no sound. We would have, if it had an engine, we would have heard it, and if, if it was not a powered craft, then why is it changing direction with no wind? And I was so amazed by this that I actually, you know, being, I was a very straight up kid. I went up to the policeman at the track and I reported it. I said, Oh my God, I just saw a UFO and it, it hit the Norman transcript the next day and I had all these people saying, Oh, great prank you played there, Benjamin. Good on you. And I said, No, I really saw it. I swear I did. <laughs> but um that was that was an awakening for me. And since then what I've come to believe about that is that was um part of my awakening process because I you know, I believe that I have come here as a, as a being of service to help people heal and awaken, and I believe even though I was wishing it would land and it didn't, in retrospect, I think they must have been sending some kind of energy to me to begin my awakening process. So I would, you know, have that out-of-body experience a few months later and then begin my awakening. So I, I don't believe that I originate from Earth and I know, God, hundreds of people who are are from off planet and we've come into human bodies to help with the great awakening that's happening right now. And uh, so I, that's my, you know, I can't prove that. it's my theory. But what I know for sure to my own satisfaction is that I did see a UFO and it did the physical things I'm telling you about. And what I believe about it is what I just shared.
2: You know, it's amazing how when people have that initial experience, myself included, how it immediately affects your life in one way or another. I had, a, I had a transformation in April of 2014, which my audience is probably sick of me talking about, but some of our <laughs> guests just haven't heard the story. But within, within a span of three weeks, I had a weird dream where I was taken into a bright white room and basically told to drop everything that I was doing with the research that I was trying to put together. And three weeks after that, I had a close encounter of the third kind with a UFO on the ground. And five days after that, I came face-to-face with my first extraterrestrial. And, And when you have those type of experiences, and granted mine are probably a little bit more extreme than a lot of people's, but it's amazing how people, for the most part, when they have that experience, will absolutely start to go into this entire shift on their own when they see Mm -hmm. something that we're told is not supposed to exist, either by mainstream science, mainstream religion, or just the people we love and trust in general.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah, most people are still stuck in the matrix, (laughs) so... uh... It usually takes a direct personal experience to shift people out. So, uh, yeah, I, I I can relate to people who don't believe this stuff because I was a hardcore skeptic myself at one time, and if I hadn't had the personal experiences I had, I'd be in the same boat with them still. Um, but I really believe that we are at a critical time in Earth's history, and we are, I think, over the next few years, either going to, make a mass breakthrough in human consciousness and more of us come into a attitude of service to others love and light respect for the planet and all the things that make a harmonious existence or you know it's going to go downhill pretty fast and and i do know we have you know a bunch of beings here um and i think there's a huge number of them who chose to incarnate at this critical time to embody love and light um, in order to help make that happen. I think it, once enough of us ha- attain a high enough level of consciousness, we'll hit a tipping point, and then you know, a much more beautiful reality will unfold.
2: Well, I hope so, because there are a lot of scared people out there, Benjamin. There are a lot of people out there, uh, especially those who have young children, and they see how hectic, how uncontrollable the world seems today. We see so many people stressing out, uh, going gray with their hair, gaining weight, having heart attacks at strange ages that, you know, don't seem to be possible. I don't know how many people I've, I've heard of just in my own inner circle over the last five years who have had some sort of heart problem or or respiratory problem mm. it's amazing the stress that seems to be on absolutely everyone in this world whether it's because of paying bills or trying to keep their job mm. intact or their family and, and be a, a healthy provider Add to the fact that society is now a 24-7 society where we have to have the latest gadgets and all the latest toys and the latest styles. (laughs) I mean, it's a hard time to live.
5: It is. And and people are stuck in, many of us in a capitalistic, materialist-based society that values acquisition over connection. And to me, you know, my life has transformed so much in recent years where... You know, to me, it is about connection, it's about heart space, you know, doing what I can to, to help others with love and light in whatever way I can. Um, and I have, not completely, but to a great extent, broken out of all the old programming, i got to have the latest gadget and such. Um, and the, for me, it's really been a journey from head to heart, mm-hmm. and and the what I found, you know, to put it very simply, and to avoid getting into a super complex topic that is a little off our agenda, <laughs> um, is just that. What I have found is that if you stay in your head and try to deal with things logically and intellectually, you're going to be deluded. Um, even as as deep as I've gone into the inner levels of reality, my mind still lies to me. You know, I now view mind as sort of a pathological, chronic liar. Um, and the way I think about it shamanically is you know you think you're having your original thoughts, but really thoughts are just jump, jump from human to human, and they sort of clothe themselves in your particulars to make you think they're they're your thought, but they just jump around and um and i've I've had too many instances where a thought came in and seemed very convincing on an intellectual level, and I found that it wasn't true later. But what I have learned is if I'm really connected to my own source, and we'll talk hopefully on the show about a simple way I can tell your listeners how they can connect more quickly and easily with their own divine intelligence that's always available within them. And when the heart speaks, it's always true. It's infallible. And what I, what I continue to strive for more and more deeply is how can I connect with that powerful inner knowing that will allow me to walk through the world in harmony and flow and ease and grace instead of always being confused and mystified by all the nonsense that is just we're pummeled with 24-7 online and by the media and all that stuff. Because if you, if you don't access your own inner wisdom, you're going to be hopelessly confused. So mm-hmm. to me, uh, accessing inner wisdom is essential to even be sane. You know, Eckhart Tolle says the same thing in uh, his wonderful book. It was the second big book he put out, um, A New Earth, where he posits, if you have not spiritually awakened, you are insane. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't have that that security, that foundation, that knowledge of what you really are, then to a degree, you're just not fully wired up with yourself.
2: There's a lot in that statement, man, that you just made that just is making me scratch <laughs> my head. Honestly, you know, I mean, the the inner levels of humanity, and, and if I could contradict something that you said here, because in my own studies, and I profess that I'm still learning, and I'm learning the intricacies of everything. But what I have learned, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, is you, you mentioned the strength of the heart, that we got to listen to the heart more. What I have found... Ooh in my so not-so-scientific study, is that I found that the heart seems to be just as big of a liar as the brain. However, it's the soul that seems to have that pure connection. Whether if you believe in God or a higher source or Mother Earth, whatever it is you believe in, I have found the more purity in my own looking into myself through the soul than I do the heart or the brain. What is your Thank thoughts you. on that? Thank
5: you, and... and- I agree with you, and what we're differing on is just a semantic point and not the actual concept. What I'm, when I see of the heart, I am not talking about emotions. I'm talking about the, the knowingness of intuition, and intuition and soul are, are synonyms for me. So when I say heart, I, again, I'm talking about that unerring knowing, and, and, and when, I, when I define intuition, which to me is like a text message from God kind of thing, where you just know something and and the way i discriminate intuition from just any other thought is the moment an intuition arrives there's absolute certainty about it there's a very distinct feeling sense that is not there with the usual mental chatter and and that's the 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 always there for everybody in my experience what's there for some people but not all is the nervous system gets a hit and there's tingles or goosebumps or a shiver up the spine but if that's present when one of those big thoughts hits and that feeling of certainty is there, then to me that's, that's intuition and you can rely on whatever it just told you. So I totally agree with you. The, the truth is in the soul. And, and the reason I said heart is in my own experience. The, what I'm working on uh, spiritually now is feeling that divine presence in my heart chakra and, and to walk as deeply in that space of unconditional love as I possibly can. So where I feel the divine knowingness is in the heart chakra as the primary feeling area. I mean, you can feel it some in higher chakras too, but the heart is, for me, the primary area I feel the knowingness. So that's why I say your heart leads. So thank you for clarifying that, because that, I didn't express that in a way that everyone would have understood.
2: Well, see, I had to learn the hard way, Benjamin, about the, the soul. And Once again, another story that I've mentioned a few times, but in 2013, I hadn't ridden my ATV in five, six months. And I was eager to get out. It was the first hot spring day. And I, my, my wife couldn't go because she was pregnant with our son. And my best friend was, was out of town that I usually ride with. And I went riding with two other people who, I wouldn't call them friends, more acquaintances, but I'd ridden with them a couple times previously. And we'd had a good time. And the entire way up that mountain, that little voice, which I called a soul voice, kept on telling me, turn around. Today's not a good day, mm. day to ride. Turn around. And I and I mm. kept fighting it and fighting it. To keep my long story short, <laughs> literally 20 minutes into the ride, I flipped my ATV over top of me, and I was not mm. hurt. But it ended up rolling down a mountainside about 150, 200 feet and absolutely destroying itself. Whoa. And... Yeah, it was quite the bugger. It took us two and a half hours to get it up there, to get it back up onto the trail so we could drag it back down. But that back literally to Yeah, thank God. But but I mean it was literally the turning point for me, Benjamin, where when that little voice speaks now i have to listen Mm -hmm. you know and yeah and i've know i know so many people who hear that voice but they don't listen to it how important Mm -hmm. is it for each and every one of us to start listening to that voice and let me preface this by saying is there's a lot of people out there who've never heard it
5: well they don't know that they've heard it anyway i that is possible i grant you um how I think, well, how important it is depends on how conscious a life you want to live. If you're happy being fully immersed in the matrix and being led around by other people's stuff and, and being a tool of the, of the powers that be, then it's not important at all to listen to your inner guidance. But if you are dissatisfied with that reality and you want to be guided by your own inner wisdom and actually live the life you came here to live on a soul level, then it's imperative. I guess it depends how, how called you are to to awaken to know your true authentic self. And if that's true then then I I think it's, you know, just indispensable to connect with that.
2: Well, it's a matter of people having to turn on their ears and listen, wouldn't you say?
5: Yeah, but that's easier said than done. And and one one tool I'll be giving during this interview if you'll allow me to, is is a way I will help people do that. Because for In in an ayahuasca ceremony, um, it was about over six years ago now, I received a simple invocation system that anyone can do very quickly and easily, and it helps them hear that voice much more easily. Um, It actually puts them into a state of embodied awakening so that um, they're actually, uh, it sounds wild, but they're actually, they have become the source of the intuition itself. Uh, what this technique does is it actually merges the soul with the body so that they're just one thing. And when that happens, you know, the the checklist for if you're in there is you're, you're fully functioning in the human world, and yet there's no mental chatter, no challenging emotion. It's very peaceful, and the state maintains itself. It takes no effort. And that's fully described on my website, but I'll be happy to, to give the nuts and bolts of it here whenever the time is appropriate.
2: Well, you can do so now. We just happen to have some time.
5: Oh, about three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so first let me tell people where it is on the website, if that's okay. Please do. Um, My website website is astroshaman.com. And if you come in there on a larger screen, like a computer or a tablet, right at the top of the homepage sidebar on the right, there's a purple banner, and it says Heal and Awaken Invocations. And if you click or tap that, It will take you to a special web page. If you're on a small screen like a phone, it will be a ways down after the main page content, but it will be there a little lower down. Either way, you tap it, you click it, it will take you to a page with four blog posts. The first one has a blue angel graphic, and the title is Invocations for Healing and Awakening. And what this post does is very thoroughly describes exactly what to do to move into this state. And for most people... There's a series of four invocations that take them there. And these invocations are spoken to your own divine self. So I'll just tell you what they are, just to give an overview. The first one you would say is maximum light and divine consciousness that serves highest good Please, You say that and then, and very critically, and this is super important, you then have to be completely passive. What this means this is the way I suggest doing this is after you've spoken the words, you relax, you forget the words, you feel your breath coming and going wherever in the body you feel it most easily. Um, you don't try to help with any effort or willpower. You don't deliberately visualize or imagine. You're 100% passive. And if you get distracted, which means your attention falls anywhere except the breath and you notice that, you don't fight the distraction. You just relax back into breath awareness again very gently, very persistently. And if you do that, then you will, if you haven't, if you're not super sensitive to energy, you'll start to feel more calm and relaxed. And if you are more sensitive, you'll feel more technically what's happening, which is energy is coming in the top of the head. It's saturating the body, and you'll feel the various saturations in the various parts. Either way, the net effect will be after a little while, you'll start being peaceful. And how long that takes depends on you know, you. Some people get in a few seconds, some people it may take a few minutes, but at some point you'll feel pretty calm, pretty relaxed. And at that point you pull out invocation number two, which is, um, please make me one with the absolute peacefulness that I am. And you relax into that and go back to just, at this point you you let the breath go and you you just feel the peacefulness that's already there. And I'm I'm really shorthanding this. There's a little more detail that's on the website and then you relax and after uh, a short while you feel really light and floaty and what's happening there is you have actually woken up into your soul your higher self your divine self and you actually experience yourself as a being of pure energy very peaceful that has no shape or form and it was all it was always there you've just become aware of it now you're the part that created the human part so you hang out there briefly you feel that and then The next step is to, again, merge that beautiful light part of you with your physical body. And the invocation for that is, please integrate my physical body and my peaceful light body. And I'm shorthanding these two. I'm just overviewing the thing. And then you relax again, back to breath. Just feel the breath and the body come and go as it will. And then your higher self puts it all together. It merges the two bodies together. Once that happens, then uh, a few of the details of your actual experience are you feel a lot more flow, harmony, ease and grace and in terms of holding this as a daily reality, everything you're responsible for, you do more responsibly and more joyfully, instead of having to figure things out, that intuition we were talking about is just there, letting you what to do, telling you what to do moment by moment and even small little things you do start to get filled with bliss and ecstasy and what I'm describing here is not theoretical, this is my daily reality, I now walk between the worlds every day, just routinely and and, the, and then that's the initial cycle that gets you there. And there's another fourth invocation that helps locks it in a little bit if you, if you get that far. Um, but the cool thing is, after you've done the cycle, and again, this is fully described on my site, and there's actually three different recordings for free that have my voice leading them in a guided meditation that they can stream or download from the site. So people can check this out on their own time if they wish. Then, once you've achieved the initial Embodied Awakening, and you, these, these things I'm describing have happened to you, then you can refresh it with eight words first thing each morning. You just say maximum embodied awakening that serves high as good, please. You rest in breath. And I've had some people tell me, man, it took five or ten seconds, and there it was. I, I, I'm meeting the criteria. There's no mental chatter, no challenging emotion. I'm peaceful, and it's holding itself. And then if it ever slips during the day, you, you do it again. You can repeat it mentally or out loud. Rest in the breath. It will come right back. And you can basically, using this simple little tool that takes five or ten minutes a day to hold a much more wonderful state of consciousness than most people are currently possessing. And I know it sounds too good to be true and too simple, but I've received hundreds of emails over the years of people who say it works and are continuing to do it. And the cool thing about it is it'll take you deeper and deeper because the cool thing about spiritual awakening is there's no bottom to it. (laughs) You know, I've had two... I, I had a major awakening about six years ago and there were three times when I thought I had hit the final level. I, oh, my God, it's, it's so ecstatic, so blissful that I must have certainly hit the finish line. And then after a while, it got better <laughs> in ways that can't even be verbalized. But it just keeps getting more amazing. And, and that's the cool thing is even a simple technique like that, if you keep doing it, once you're ready for the next level, it'll take you there. And and after a while, you get to levels that there's no words for, but in a feeling way, in a being way, you feel, oh, my God, even more expansive, even more blissful, even more ecstatic in subtle ways that are beyond the language. But you, you feel each one, and you then embody each one, and you bring it into your daily reality. And I hope what I just said made some kind of sense.
2: There's a lot of people out there, though, who don't have that five minutes a day to relax, unwind, and just take themsi- themselves some time to breathe and relax and meditate well I, I'm,
5: I'm not talking five minutes at once i'm talking about i'm talking about realizing in the morning you're laying in bed or you're sitting on the toilet and it's okay i'm going to say these eight words maximum embodied awakening that serves highest as good please you rest in breath for five or ten seconds it's there everybody has that much time
2: is it that simple though it is then, then I, must be now, the again, only, I must be the only one who's complicating this stuff, then, because I sure. just can't figure it out. Well,
5: the, it out. well, you, you haven't tried the technique yet. And let me emphasize, some people who are already more awakened in their natural state can do just the eight words and get there right away without having to do the cycle. But if the eight words alone don't function, then those people, it's helpful for them to go through the whole cycle you know, at least once with the four invocations, and do it more systematically, and then they can experience the embodied awakening firsthand. And then once they've got there, once they've experienced it, then it's much easier. And by the way, I also have a program I offer for free called EASE, which stands for the Embodied Awakening Support Experience, that, I, that is freely offered on my website under services. And I do a, a thing every week, live, by web and phone, or, or they can do the recordings afterwards, just like your show. You can do it live. You can catch the recordings after. And, and all the power of those live events is held in all the recordings, and there's about 90 recordings already online. And once someone signs up for ease for free, they can access the whole archive, they can go to town on the recordings, and, and if they can, you know, these recordings last one to two hours each, and people can, you know, have the power of that experience help support them in that process if they're interested. And again, let me, let me emphasize something. I know for a lot of people what I'm, what I'm saying sounds totally crazy, and my response is, please don't believe a word I'm saying here because if you're interested, you can try all this out for free and it will either work for you or it won't. So what I tell people is if, there's, if they hear what I'm saying and there's soul resonance or something that says, maybe there is something to that. I'm skeptical, but maybe. Then try it. It costs nothing and there's no commitment. And there's no gotcha trying to sell you something later either. You know, I'm here as an awakener. Or an awakening facilitator because I can't wake anyone else up, but I can offer them a way that they can do it for themselves. Um, and then, if it works, great. And if not, then move on to something else. I got a couple. So of questions. there's no belief needed here. I got a couple okay. of
2: questions from our audience, if you don't mind. This one coming from beyond. Oh, sure. Beyond the Omniverse on our speaker chat, he is asking, <laughs> "Who are these invocations invoking? The inner creator self, or an external so-called source?"
5: Um. I, what you're invoking is your higher self. Whatever now, there's, so whatever you call the part that created your human aspect, that's what you're talking to. And, and my experience with invocations is when a human being calls in energy from that source, that divine source is required by divine law to bring it to the top of their head. The human has the right to invoke whatever energy, whatever flavor they want. However, the human then must open the door and let it in, and most people don't do that after they invoke or pray. It's like you called the pizza guy. You say, bring me, me some pizza mind, and he knocks on the door all night, and you never open the door, you get got no pizza. Okay. But however, if you open the door, then there's your pizza. So in the same way, what I have found in my own experience is that after you've called for something from your higher self, in whatever way you pray or invoke, If you then go completely passive and relax and let that divine part do what you asked it to do, what I've experienced in my own work is that if you then continue using effort or visualizing your willpower, you invoke the law of free will, your higher self says, oh, they asked me to do it, and look, they're trying to do it for themselves. They invoke divine law of free will. I have to back off now. I have to do nothing or do less because the ego is still trying to do it for itself, and and I'm I my hands are tied there's only so much I can do for them now however what I found is if you actually delegate what the higher self does best these kind of energetic processes these awakening processes to it and then you get the hell out of the way and let it do it 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 can do it <laughs> so that's that's I'm, now again this is the system that was revealed to me And there are systems of awakening that do require visualizing and willpower. And if that's in your system, then by all means, do it by the rules it plays by. But if you're trying this invocation technique I'm describing, then please, once you've invoked, chill out, feel your breath, or whatever the focus is, and let the divine do it for you because you'll block it if you try to do it for yourself. And ego is just a 3D construct. It is a very tiny, limited part of you. And it's really good at manipulating things in the physical world, and it's not very good at moving energy in subtle ways. To that, you delegate it to the part of you that's the expert. Like you call the plumber, you don't crawl under the sink with the plumber and tell him what to do. You stay out of the way, and you let him do his job. You delegate to your higher self, you stay out of the way, and let it do for you what it can do that you can't do for yourself as an ego. That's been my experience.
2: Let's get to another question, this one coming from Catherine. If we can split the atom... Can you also split the soul based on the soul being an energy?
5: Split the soul? Uh, that's never occurred to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll address it as it comes up to me. First off, um, that to me is not something that's really... I can't imagine why human would want to do that. Because you're already an offshoot of that soul... And I can see a soul perhaps incarnating more than one body at a time. I've heard of people who have like, you know, twin souls or twin flames where they realize, wow, this is another part of me from the same soul. I could see splitting from soul down to human, but I, I just can't conceive of a human splitting a soul or why they would even want to. So that's my response to that.
2: I would agree with that. That, that seems kind of odd, but you know what? If it's energy, energy can be split, right? Maybe we just haven't figured it out.
5: Yeah, but then again, we're th- at, at the human physical level. We're just three D constructs, and we we human beings don't really have the kind of power to mutilate up at that level. And I just, I guess the question back to the caller is, why would you even want to do that? What's the point? We got plenty of work to do, just in alignment with our own soul mission, without trying to reconfigure the soul itself Bl- is, is my own response
2: blame the gemini's <laughs> blame the gemini's because we <laughs> we all do things in pairs anyways so why not yeah <laughs> you know but that's one way to look at it let's uh let's talk a little bit about energy for a moment here because There's a lot of unusual energy going around the world right now. Everything seems to be in flux. Everything seems to be chaotic. It seems that we're on the verge of exploding, and I'm not using that term as a pun, but everybody just seems to be on edge. How is that Mm -hmm. affecting what everybody does on a daily basis?
5: Are you asking what's the astrology behind it, or is this a different question than that?
2: No, the astrology. There are a
5: lot of astrological factors, and and now we can actually talk about astrology a little bit here. (laughs) Um, There's one thing that's been in the background for about 10 years, and there's two planets that are making a right angle to each other in the sky called Uranus and Pluto. And Pluto is a major player, whatever the the astronomers might consider it to be. Um, The nature of the Uranus-Pluto square is revolutionary transformation. And if you go back through history, and if someone wants to read a book on this that just nails it in wonderful detail, the book is called Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas, T-A-R-N-A-S. And he tracks the history of these outer planet alignments uh, all through human history. Uh, Very amazing book. But anyhow, Uranus and Pluto together, every time they come together, either by a conjunction, which means they're right in the same place, or when they're square, which means they're 90 degrees apart, or when they're in opposition right across from each other, they bring up this revolutionary transformation. So they've been, they've been square, depending on how you calculate it, roughly since the near financial meltdown in around, I guess that was 2008. Um, and, and they're going to be in orb, which means close enough to affect each other through the end of the decade. So this one's about 12, 13 years long. And if anyone's been paying attention since then, you know, since 2008, we're living in a very different world than we had, you know, about 10 years ago. Things are, are changing very rapidly, and the nature of Uranus-Pluto is big change fast. The last time Uranus and Pluto were in another major alignment like this was the 1960s. From 1960 to 1972, they were close enough to be considered conjunct, right on top of each other, and we all know what happened in the 60s. We know in the U.S. all the the hippie stuff and revolution and anti-war movement, but there were masses of, you know, countries coming to independence in Africa. We had the cultural revolution in China. I mean, all over the world, things were really shaking up big time, and this happens every time Uranus and Pluto do a conjunction, a square, or an opposition, like I described. So, um... And whether you call it good or bad, there's some wonderful stuff that happens. There's some things you might consider horrible. But what's the constant is big change happens really quickly. Um, Now, these two planets both have ways of operating that you can use consciously to have a more wonderful experience of this. Um, And if it's okay, what I'd like to do is describe what I call my Uranus-Pluto prescription for happiness, where people, since these energies are still in play for a few more years... Um, what people can consciously do to, to basically make good use. My experience is, as an astrologer, and, and like, I've actually done over 6,000 sessions now, is that you can partner with these planets. You know, as a shaman, I know that everything's alive. Everything has consciousness, especially planets. And if you, you, know, if you either make conscious use of a planet's more life-affirming possibility or you talk to that planet, do using what I call shamanic astrology, you can actually get it working for you in a happier way. Um, So with that preamble, let me now give you the the two planets' prescriptions. Uranus um, has three high-side ways it loves to be used. The first is what I call fly your freak flag. (laughs) That means just be your true authentic self. Uh, Most of us dumb down our real part, and we, we don't let our true magnificence out because we're afraid someone will get angry at us or be offended or, you know, whatever. But with the first Uranus is, at the very least, admit to yourself what's unique and special and different about you as a human being. And, and I hopefully you then begin to just live that as your lifestyle and you show it to the world. You come out of the closet in whatever way that means to you, you know, being open about what's really distinctive about you. And I know in my own experience, the more I have flown my freak flag, the more happy I've become, and actually, the more business I've gotten. So um, so that's number one, is be your authentic self. Number two is follow your intuitive flashes. Of all the planets in the sky, Uranus is the one associated with those intuitive flashes we've been talking about, the aha, the eureka, where you just know it, and there's no reason or logic behind it. You just know it. So follow those when you get them, as we've already discussed. And the third is serve other people using your special gifts and talents that you most love to use, like you, Dave, do in your radio show. That's a perfect example of it. Um, But, you know, we all have certain gifts, and one of the phrases I love is each individual is born in response to a need of the collective. There's something special about you, no matter who you are, that can help other people. And it will be the thing that brings you the greatest joy. So some people have a service idea, oh, yeah, I'll serve others, but it'll be humdrum and I'll be resentful and I really don't like it, but yeah, I'm helping them out. I'm talking about the thing you love doing so much that when you get done doing it, you can't wait to do it again. So that's how to take Uranus to the high side. Be the real you, follow your intuitive flashes, and then serve others in the way that really lights you up. So uh, any questions on that, day before I go on to Pluto.
2: One question, and that would be, you, you mention use the real you. With the advent mm-hmm. of so, and popularity of social media, does anybody know who the real them really are
5: anymore? If they're paying attention to their own inner self, yeah. If they're constantly distracted by, you know, other people's expectations and they're buying into, you know, what the media and social consensus is telling them to be, perhaps not. But, um if you are paying attention to yourself and and using some kind of spiritual tool to connect into your real self, then that part will guide you into becoming the authentic you that you signed up to be down here. You know, most people, as you said, are in amnesia and they don't even know why they came. But that knowledge is available if you'll just make a small effort, such as the technique I'm offering or whatever works for you, to to start tuning into that that deeper part that created you, which is always. You know, I believe that your higher self is constantly sending you messages, and whether you're hearing them or not is just a matter of are you paying attention and have you got a tool you can use that gets the mind quiet enough that you can actually hear the messages in the first place.
2: Moving on to Pluto, we got about four and a half minutes before we got to go to break here, and we
5: can continue. Yeah, I that can do it that af-
2: quick. <laughs> well, we can continue it after the break as well if you want.
5: Okay, I think I can do it that fast. Okay, Pluto is the lord of death and rebirth. He's the lord of the underworld. And so his first prescription is get rid of what you don't need what's holding back your evolution. And I I break this down to four levels. First, Pluto asks, look at the stuff, the physical objects in your life. And by all means, keep the ones that are necessary or fun or they, they make your life wonderful in some way. But the things that are just hanging around in closets and attics and basements and gathering dust, or they're used very rarely, or they're not really juicy for you anymore, get rid of those. Sell them, trade them, give them away, recycle them, whatever. Just you know, clean house first. Uh, and So clear your physical space because everything you have holds energy, and if that energy is not vibrant and life-affirming, then it's actually weighing down the energy of your home a little bit. Uh, I have a phrase, everything you own owns you. Uh, I moved into a smaller house six years ago. I sold or got rid of 80% of my stuff. And what stunned me was how much better I felt after I got rid of all that stuff that wasn't really necessary or helpful or fun. So that's one. Step two is look at the people in your life and ask yourself, is this person being a positive transformational influence? Is this person helping me grow, evolve? Are they cheerleading my growth and my positive change? If so, by all means, spend a lot of time with that person. But look at the people in your life who are toxic, negative. You, you're with them and then you feel worse afterwards. You're like, I've got to take a shower, man. That's a nasty feeling or whatever. Or, or they're just holding you in your current pattern and they don't want you to change or grow or evolve. Those people... Uh, either release them entirely or at least minimize contact because those people are not helping you grow like Pluto would like you to. Uh, Third and fourth are the inner world, your own ways of being and ways of thinking. Um, My experience in shamanic reality is that we actually live in a hologram of infinite possibility and far more things are possible than most people realize. So if you are holding a thought or are doing a habitual pattern, that's kind of keeping you stuck in a level that is not joyful and vibrant and juicy, ask yourself, could I replace that with a thought or a belief that would be juicy and vibrant and growth-promoting and life-affirming? So it's, and, and most times these are cycling so routinely we don't even know they're there. So it takes a little bit of consciousness to actually watch your own habitual thoughts and, and habit patterns to say, is this thing I'm thinking routinely or doing routinely – Is it actually joyful and fun? Is it making my life more wonderful? Or is it just kind of keeping me in the same gray routine? And if that's the case, look at it very carefully and say, would I be willing to contemplate or try on a pattern that might be more fun and more wonderful? So those, those are the four Pluto initial prescriptions to release the objects, the people, the ways of being, and the ways of thinking that are not moving you into your most rapid and wonderful growth. Um, then once you've done that, to whatever degree you have, he can deliver wealth and power. And how long do I have to cover this part before break?
2: About uh, 60 seconds.
5: I can do it. (laughs) Wealth could be money, or it could be anything of value. Um, So the more you empty the teacup, so to speak, the more Pluto can pour in hot, fresh tea. Um, And power... There is human ego power where my will be done, people like Donald Trump or Darth Vader or Adolf Hitler, people who are saying, I just want it the way I want it and, and you know, I'm going to try to control it at the ego level. That's a, uh, a more basic form of Pluto power that is less powerful. But if you look at the actual glyph I use, which is a person raising arms to heaven and saying, I surrender, and you're surrendering not to an external thing, but to your own divine self and saying, okay, Divine, I'm ready to have way more power than I could ever manifest as a human, and I'm willing to let you guide me. I'm going to listen to my intuition and let it move me around. That's the real power. That's metaphorically what Obi-Wan Kenobi did in the first Star Wars movie where he let Darth Vader kill his body, and then his soul was free and could be anywhere he needed to be to serve the Force. He gave up a smaller part of himself to gain greater power, and that's metaphorically what Pluto asked us to do. How we get to keep our bodies. But that's the idea.
2: Well, on that note, we are going to hop out for our first break of the night. Astro Shaman Benjamin Bernstein is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. He's going the distance tonight, so we got two hours left with the Astro Shaman himself. Do me a favor. During the break, while you're listening to all of our ads, head to AstroShaman.com where you can check out Benjamin's website. We'll be right back right after this. Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hills Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal, UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
6: From
3: coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above, in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them.
1: Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the Space Travelers icon at SpacedOutRadio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler
7: today. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At SpaceOutRadio.com, The Encounter, online, is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to SpaceOutRadio.com and encounter The Encounter.
6: visit purpleplates.com today for over 40 years the purple energy plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers inspired by the great genius nikola tesla the harmony healing and energetic effects of the place have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers with their money back guarantee and the many benefits how can you afford not to get one Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle.
8: Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There. You will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that, too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details.
1: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers, and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
3: From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I... Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner, Alexandra Sullivan, track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest, from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal, when we can report the Pacific North Weird, right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. loud and proud, In
9: high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness. You can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there.
1: Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today.
0: Views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to SpacedOutRadio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R.
2: Welcome back to the second hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the program, we step into the conspiratorial world of NASA and UFOs. Mars, the moon, Ken Johnson and Brett Shepard are going to join us 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at SpacedOutRadio.com. And don't forget, Wednesday night, I I never mention a show two nights away, but Wednesday's kind of special. It's my birthday. And I'm going to be sharing my birthday with all of you, and I'm actually going to open up the phone lines on Wednesday night because I want to hear from you, our audience. So make sure you join us Wednesday as well. Hey, we want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We're also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and spread across 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. We're on KTLK, the Fringe FM. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio... The Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. A panthropinization. A panthropinization is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, as Bill sets a password each and every night right here on the mighty SOR. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at SpacedOutRadio. Use the hashtag, SpacedOutRadio, if you want to connect with me live during the show as well. Double H, you are being very active on Twitter tonight. Thank you. Same as you, Les, John, as well. Skeptic, I love you in there as well. Thank you. We can also give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStreamLive, Player.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where you can find a plethora of features on there, including the 2017 Spaced Out Radio, Caribou Paracon, September 29th to October 1st. You can also... Check out our store. We have t-shirts, stickers, posters, soon-to-be Carl, the alien candles. And, of course, we have the Encounter Online, where we have some really cool stories on there, courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. Tonight we are talking to the Astro Shaman, Benjamin
5: Bernstein.
2: His website, astroshaman.com, and it's good to have you with us, Benjamin. Thank you so much for being here.
5: Delighted to be here. So glad for the opportunity. Thank you, Dave.
2: Oh, I think we're all better off. For you being here, my friend, all better off. (laughs) I want to get to a question from Everett. And Everett is asking, Benjamin, if you came from off-planet to inhabit a human body, what would happen to the soul of the person who inhabited or was supposed to inhabit the human body?
5: Okay, well, I'm going to answer that on two levels. The level that I was referencing earlier and a level that I haven't talked about yet. First level is um, many beings, and I believe there are uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of beings on planet who are not native to Earth. They have come from other star systems, from other places. Again, like I said, Earth's in a critical time right now of on the verge of birthing into the Golden Age where things are going to be a lot more harmonious and peaceful. And uh, many beings have volunteered to come here to this really difficult planet, Um, according to some channels, Earth is the most challenging planet to live on in the whole universe (laughs) Um, because they wanted to help out and and help this planet to kind of get it to its next level. So, you know, in my original birth, I believe, you know, I was the original inhabitant of this body, and, and I chose to come in in this way just as so many others have. I can't tell you how many hundreds of clients I have worked with who say, I don't feel like I belong here. And my understanding of how this works is, part of the challenge of signing up to be a higher vibrational being and come down here to Earth to help is you have to understand there's risk involved because you come in on assignment to help lift the vibration, but the trick is you come in and you get amnesia. You forget who you are and why you came. And some beings who came to serve literally go through a whole lifetime and die, and they never remember why they came because the, the matrix we're in, the amnesia field is so strong. You know, it took me really into my 40s. To wake up from my amnesia in a really significant way, um, but I, but many people do it at various ages. A lot of the younger kids now are coming in and they've never gone to sleep at all. They know who they are. I, I have the consciousness of some of these younger people is stunning. Uh, they're already at a place I had to work through years of plant spirit ceremonies to get to. But um, anyhow, but many do awaken, and I know personally several hundred people here in the Asheville area, especially who are who know what they are, they know what they're doing, they're on track with their service, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, The second level has to do with upgrades or walk-ins, and a walk-in is when the current body, the the initial occupant, is removed and a new consciousness comes in and takes it over. And, of course, if you made a movie out of this, it would be a horror soundtrack doing that, but I had an experience like that in an ayahuasca ceremony. Let me give context here. Uh, This was in the jungle of Peru, and it was the third time I had gone down to work with this particular shaman, and a single, what's called a dieta, uh, is where you're in the jungle for about two weeks, and you do five ayahuasca ceremonies, and context here as well. Ayahuasca is perhaps the most powerful um, mind-altering substance on the planet. Uh, It creates very vivid, what some would call hallucinations, and some would call peeling back the layers of reality to see more of what's actually out there. Uh, My experience is not that I was seeing stuff that wasn't there, but that my usual filters were dropped, and I became aware of more of what's actually out there in reality than most people experience. Anyhow, I'm in, I think, ceremony number 7 out of 10. I'm doing a double dieta for a month. (laughs) Uh, Very intense experience. And partway through the ceremony, I... I awaken, I realize, oh, I must have fallen asleep. But I have this very distinct feeling, what am I doing in this body? And I've never before or since had an experience like this where I awaken in this physical body and I say, who is this? Why am I here? What's going on? And it took me a couple of hours to get into the memories of the body and feel comfortable in it. And my sense was I had just been dropped into it. Uh, There was no sense of having invaded it or taken it over. I just was, oh, my God, I'm here. What the hell happened? And by the end of the ceremony, I was able to function, and I had the memories of Benjamin, but I had the distinct feeling of being a new occupant. Um, And I've since had a couple or three minor experiences like that where there was a sense of new driver or consciousness upgrade. Now, I don't know if... This was a brand-new occupant having nothing to do with Benjamin. What I, what I have gotten sense was the intuitive sense is the original occupant was not on track for the assignment this body came to do to grow into what I'm becoming, and it had to be replaced with an upgraded driver of the body. Now, what I do not know to this day is was that a totally different soul coming in Or was it a higher aspect of myself coming in and just taking over the old aspect? And that was the upgrade. My sense in the subsequent replacements was it was higher parts of myself coming in. And and the the surrenders were conscious and voluntary, the old part of myself giving up, sort of going into a black hole and then coming out with the new driver in place. Um, And, of course, still with access to the memories and history of Benjamin but that first one was so amazing and so surprising because I've never had any experience like it. But um, you can have upgrades of the same body, and sometimes I believe it is a different being walking in, um, and sometimes it's just replacement by a higher part of yourself that sort of seems like a new being but coming in to accelerate the mission, as it were. So that's my response to that particular question. I
2: didn't expect it to be that deep.
5: Well there it is. <laughs> Full of surprises. <laughs>
2: let's let's get to another question. This one comes from beyond the universe. He's is asking is astrology an externalization or pardon me if astrology is an externalization are each of our physical lives based on and dictated by celestial ast- astrological events?
5: All right, so <clears throat> I will say they are influenced by those events. But um, there are kind of two schools of astrology. There is fatalistic astrology where the astrology will say because this particular alignment is happening, it is destined and no way around the fact that this good or bad thing is going to happen to you. And that is the way astrology was practiced for most of its history. What has come around in the last few decades is what's called psychological or evolutionary astrology, where we believe you've got some choice of the matter. So the way I counsel with astrology, as I say, and I alluded to this earlier. Um, for example, as we closed the first hour, I was giving high side possibilities for Uranus and Pluto, and I gave only life affirming possibilities. But guess what? If Uranus is wanting to do the high side side things I described, like you know, give you your intuitive flashes and make you more authentic and of others in the way that backs you up, and you're not doing that, and there's a strong Uranus influence, it can make you, it can radic- it can stimulate your nervous system in an unpleasant way, which can manifest as irritability. I'm nervous, I'm agitated, I'm jangly, and that's Uranus saying, "Well, you haven't given me enough life-affirming things to do. All I have left is to stimulate you in an unpleasant way because I'm strong right now, either in your natal chart or by movement by transit." And i got to do something. In the same way, Pluto, on the high side, I gave its high sides as power and wealth. And it loves to do that for you. But if you don't give it those opportunities, then Pluto can show up as power games and other people trying to dominate and control you, or you becoming tyrannical and trying to dominate other people. Um, And there's other things, too, that can be less pleasant, but those are the more common ones. At the same time, Pluto can be used beautifully to surrender and release all that doesn't serve you on all levels and, and let the divine power come in and make you more potent, more powerful, more in alignment with your soul purpose. So every planet has a high and low possibility. And as an astrologer, what I do is, you know, I can now read an astrology chart like most people read English. I can just see it and very rapidly see the meaning of the symbols and archetypes, and I can interpret them to English. So, um, what I will say, from my perspective, to, come, to hone back in on the question, is your natal chart is basically a snapshot of the transiting planets when you do that first breath, and it's a very detailed archetypal prescription of the core possibilities you have. Not, you know, I've done enough readings; uh, I can tell if certain things are present. I can pretty well guarantee a certain thing will be there. Like if I've got a lot of Neptune or Pisces or 12th house planets. I can guarantee that person's really sensitive to other people's emotions and they feel environments really sensitively. They may or may not be sensitive to the inner dimensions yet. Um, and there are certain other things. If I've got a strong Mars-Pluto thing, that person's got a strong libido. They're dealing with power issues. Now, whether they're dealing with them wonderfully or in a more challenged way, I don't know because your chart is there your whole life and you've got a long time to learn about all that. And if you've got a movement like if, you know, the most potent transit of them all is transit Pluto on the sun, which, and a Pluto transit at this point in history lasts three or four years, what I can guarantee is you're being called for the most, some of the most potent transformation of your whole life on all levels with that kind of transit. Now, whether you go through that three or four years feeling like the world's beating you up and everyone's dominating controlling you, or whether you're stepping into your power and evolving into a more amazing being than you ever thought you could be, that's a free will choice. So as an astrologer, I'm actually, I think I'm as much an educator as a predictor. What I can educate people about, these are the archetypal possibilities. It doesn't mean a particular thing is absolutely going to happen. It means these energies are in play, and if you understand them, you can choose a more life-affirming expression of what that setup is. What you cannot control, what is destiny, is that you have the chart you have, and the moving planets are going to show up. On a schedule, <laughs> yeah, I can look at say, Pluto's going to be on your sun during these years, guaranteed. Nothing you can do about that. What you can do something about is how you make use of the archetype and be a conscious partner of them. And if you understand what the high-side possibilities are, you can consciously bring them into play. If you don't know what's happening, then there's a greater chance that you'll feel like a victim and all these crazy things are happening and you're not clued into the inner cycle of what's happening and, and might be less skillful at working with it at the same time i will say i have many clients who are very intuitive and they already felt the energies before they ever heard me describe them astrologically and all i can do for really intuitive people is act as a confirmation agent letting them know no you're not crazy these energies really are in play for people who are less intuitive you know i might say stuff and that it's like revelation after revelation oh my god never thought about that um so the energies are always in play. More intuitive people feel them anyway. Those who are less intuitive might need to be told about them to awaken to them in the first place. A little wandering answer, but I hope that got in the right direction there.
2: Listening to your answer, though, I, I hear what you're saying, and I've heard that before. But a lot of people also will say in order to create that, you have to switch your diet as well and go to more a vegetarian-slash-vegan-type diet. Would you agree with no. that? Not at all. Thank God, because there's no way I'm giving up bacon.
5: (laughs) No, uh, what I will say in answer to that question is that diet does affect consciousness. And what I have learned over the years is as my diet has naturally progressed into a cleaner, more pure, more, more organic, more fresh, more whole foods, it's easier for me to hold those subtler states of consciousness. If the physical body is bogged down by eating a lot of food that's heavy, greasy, difficult to digest, has more of a heavy, deadening effect, it is going to be more difficult to hold higher consciousness for most people. However, there are some people who can't even stay in their bodies who need to eat heavier, more grounding food to even be present in the body. So I'm not going to give a one-size-fits-all description because some people are better served by a lighter diet to get more access to the inner world. Some people need a heavier diet just to make it easier to be physically present. But what I would say, and my my stock answer to diet questions is, what does your body tell you? You know, there are many different people set up many different ways. I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all. What I would say is if you eat something, pay attention to how your body feels in the hours after you eat it And does this food make you feel more alive and vibrant and sparkly, or does it make you feel more heavy and dead? And if it's the latter, maybe you should reconsider that food. If it's the former, then that's a really good indication that your body is is benefiting from whatever that food was.
2: Yes, but I fight with my body every time because there is no McDonald's in this small hick town that I live in. There is no McDonald's. So when I travel 45 minutes out of town to, to hit the city... I got to go to McDonald's because I miss those Big Macs. I miss them; they taste so good. Now my my body hates me afterwards.
5: (laughs) It does. It it
2: curses me, but they're just so damn good.
5: Well, that's your free will choice. (laughs) If you're willing to take the pain of the body and whatever damage that's doing to you for the for the sake of the pleasure, then you have every right to do that.
2: I'm weak. I'm weak, Benjamin.
9: I'm very weak. <laughs> well, let's get to it all have our weaknesses.
5: Let's get to another question.
2: <laughs> this one on Twitter from Hailey at hashtag spaced out radio. Could you please tell us more about the role of the sun's influence upon us currently as a whole?
5: Okay. Um so in astrology, the sun is is a very critical factor in the natal chart. In fact, all things being equal, the sun is probably the most important planet in the natal chart. It's the core of identity and the core of vitality. And therefore, you would pay a lot of attention to how that is set up, to be technical, you know, what sign is it in, what astrological house is it in, what are the aspects or geometric connections it's making to other important points and planets, what house does it rule? You know, there's a lot of depth you can dive into to interpret a particular planet. So on a natal level, it's super important. In transiting work, where I'm just watching the moving planets and how they're lining things up, I, I virtually never pay attention to the sun because with moving energies, it's actually the slow guys, Chiron, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, that really pack the punch, you know, it's Jupiter and Saturn to a lesser degree. Um, now, if she's actually asking the sun in terms of like solar flares and things like that, you know, obviously those are influencing us and can have dramatic impact, but that's not something I know much about. So I can't really speak to that. So in terms of the astrology, the sun's very important natally, not very important by transit. If you get into other movement systems, uh, like secondary progression, solar arc, which are other ways of looking at moving influence that I don't, won't bore your listeners by getting technical about, the sun becomes important again there. But most of all the natal sun is super important in astrology
2: let's get to another question at hashtag spaced out radio this one coming from deb she says after six months of research what do you think benjamin of the moon and the effect on us after september 2015
5: Hmm. well um i'm not sure exactly why she's referring to that date or what what's significant about that but I'll speak again, just my, uh, the moon is, um, my, ax, my answer is similar to the, the sun answer. The moon in, in, in a natal astrology, the sun and moon are called the luminaries. And if you're practicing geocentric astrology, which means we're viewing this from the perspective of the earth, like we see it with our own eyes, versus heliocentric, where the sun's in the middle, viewed from like a, a solar system perspective, but we're geocentric here then the moon and sun are the two big kahunas because the bigger they look in the sky the more important they are in terms of influence. Um, therefore the moon in a natal chart would be super important and understanding the moon all the ways it's set up in, in the same ways I just described for the sun, sign, house, aspect, rulership is really important. Uh, as a transiting planet the moon is the least important of them all in terms of just looking at a, a general horoscope. Now there are certain technical forms of astrology like electional astrology or uh, where you're picking a date for something or if you're um, doing other forms where it's a timing question, the moon becomes super important. But that's, again, technical stuff that is, is beyond the main discussion. But again, when, and so the transit moon is the least important because it blows by 12 degrees a day and it's come and gone before you know it. It's too quick to be meaningful in terms of looking at larger life trends. But again, slower systems, again, secondary progressions, solar arc, et cetera, the moon is very important. So again, I know that's a little bit technical answer, but that's, that's the way I, the only way I know how to answer that one.
2: (laughs) It, It was a blood moon in September, 2015.
5: Okay. Thank you. Um, I have not noticed the moon being of any greater significance since then than before. The moon is still the moon. It still functions the same in charts based on what I'm seeing.
2: All right, let's get to Robert all the way down in Australia. He lives in the future, you know. So
5: Okay, that's true. He is asking,
2: <laughs> if old souls are the returned or reincarnated souls or energies that come back, and the souls of the new extraterrestrial energies can... can uh, can some of those new souls retain the knowledge from those other planets with ideas that can help improve this planet? Let me let me rephrase that because it's a little choppy. If old souls, I, think I get it, but go ahead. Okay, if the old souls are returned and reincarnated souls or energies that come mm-hmm. back, and the souls of new extraterrestrial energies can come in as well. Can the new souls retain the knowledge from those other planets with ideas that they can help improve Earth?
5: Absolutely. And, and I believe that's what I'm doing and what I believe literally millions of others who are what I call, on what I call the Global Awakening Team are doing. That's why we showed up. To bring these new ideas or to establish the, the love-light-harmony that, that we're hoping Earth will achieve in this, in this big transition period. So absolutely, yes. Now, again, like I said, there are some souls who don't break out of the amnesia and they come and go without doing their mission. But a huge number are breaking the amnesia spell and realizing what they are and why they came and and get into business. I've worked with, um, gosh, I can literally say thousands of clients who are on the Global Awakening team and who are in, in small or large ways and let me emphasize, too, that sounds like a big – I love the phrase global awakening team, but that could be as simple as just being awake privately and never telling a soul about it because there's this magic thing called morphic resonance or hundredth monkey effect where if you are even – if you never interact with another human being and you're just sitting there awake or in a cave somewhere, that resonance of your awakening radiates out to everyone and everything else. Um, Morphic Resonance, the Hindus call it Indra's Web. Everything connects to everything. Nothing is actually isolated in the energetic realm. So everyone influences everyone else. And when there are enough people holding a certain consciousness, a tipping point is reached, as I said earlier, and it spreads broadly. So whether you are simply being awake yourself or smiling at someone on the street or doing a nice deed for someone in a small way, that influences the global shift a little bit. There are some like me who are called to be more broad, more visible, and reach more people. And whether you're doing small things or large things, it's all equal in its own way. We all came with different assignments. And don't feel like if you're not reaching a whole bunch of people, you're not hitting your your goal, if that's not what you're called to do. Again, if you're tuned enough to your own intuition, you'll know your assignment, whether it's small scale or large. And all that the divine asks of you is just to do whatever you're particularly called to do from within yourself, not some concept of what someone else thinks you should do.
2: All right, let's get hope to that. I that was a helpful answer to that. Ab- absolutely. Let's move on here. Eric has a question. When our audience gets going, we like to include them, so we don't like missing out oh, on Oh, I the love
5: questions. the questions. They're great.
2: Eric is asking, is there a difference between what we call angels and what you, Benjamin, refer to as
5: archetypes? Huh. Sort of. <laughs> now, when I was referring earlier to archetypes, it was in an astrology context. Like, you know, Saturn is an archetype. You know, Taurus is an archetype. It's a, an energetic field of potential that, the, that can then come into specific concrete manifestations. Um, we might say there is an angelic archetype. Um, okay, let's take an example. Archangel Michael, who I work with. Um, is the Archangel can come in with his sword and he can cut through the the monsters and, and cut through the darkness. So that exists as an archetype, and there is, in fact, if you go to the inner world, a being, Archangel Michael, who can show up and interact with you. But a human being can embody that archetype and do that kind of thing and then sort of be the expression of that archetype. So the archetype is quite real in the inner world you know there's a certain level where that is it's an archetypal realm and that's all that is there and these beings exist in full reality in those subtler dimensions but then down here in the physical world the archetypes can be embodied by a a flesh and blood being in a conscious way and and if a person is called to serve in the flavor of that archetype they can totally embody it i hope that was a helpful answer to that
2: let's get to another question from beyond the
5: omniverse
2: here is Sister Earth even considered important in astrology?
5: Uh, absolutely. In, in geocentric astrology, she is the foundation from which we operate. The Earth, in a sense, in the horoscope, is smack there in the middle. It is the center, of the foundation from which everything else is viewed. Now, in geocentric astrology, except for some very rare offshoots, the Earth is not a planet used for interpretation. Um... So the Earth is acknowledged as the foundation, the ground from which everything else is viewed and, and perceived. Now, if you go to heliocentric astrology, where the sun's in the middle, then the Earth is a moving planet and, and has its own unique interpretation, just as every other planet would. So that, that's my answer to that.
2: Eric is asking, isn't it time for astronomy to be updated to reflect the discoveries made by cosmologists?
5: Uh, did I think they meant astrology there, because astronomy is constantly being updated yes. that way. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, that depends who you ask. <laughs> um, you know, myself, I use all the planets through Pluto. I use four asteroid goddesses, Ceres, Juno, Pallas, Athena, and um, uh, Vesta. Uh, but then again you run into how much do you have time to talk about and which ones pack the most punch. I mean, if I tried to do astrology and included every one of the thousands of objects we now know about in our solar system, it would grow so hopelessly clunky and complicated, I'd never be able to finish a reading, much less prepare one. So you have to do triage and you say, which points and planets are the most significant actually operating in people's lives that I actually want to consider them and the ones I would actually have time to talk about in a reading. So for me, you know, I've made the choice to use all the the classic planets, the seven originals, and to add on Chiron and the three outer planets and, and in the last few years brought in the four asteroid goddesses and the nodes of the moon, and that's plenty. I mean, that's more than I ever have time to talk about most of the time in a reading. And all, you know, there's a song title from years back that I love. It says... Everything matters if anything matters at all. So every single point out there has some level of influence in astrology. Absolutely, the question an astrologer has to ask is, which ones are important enough that I would actually have time to talk about them? And that's why you know I keep myself to um, let me count them up here about eleven. Fifteen physical objects as well as the angles and the nodes and that's that 's got me up over twenty natal points that i 'm considering, and all those points are also in movement <laughs> so that 's more than enough for me to be helpful so there are there are astrologers who worked with you know a huge number of asteroids and the, the thing you need to know about astrology folks if you dive into this is it 's very diverse and there are vast areas of disagreement between astrologers. There's some astrologers who only use the seven ancient planets and the rules of Hellenistic astrology or medieval astrology. Some, like me, use modern planets and asteroid goddesses. Some use imaginary points called trans-Neptunians. There are so many different ways just within Western. And then you got Vedic astrology, which is a whole different system. And Chinese astrology and Mayan astrology and every major culture has had some form of astrology going on. So it's endlessly diverse and Chances are there's someone out there doing it like this listener is referring to. Um, But that that person must have a lot of free time on their hands (laughs) to be able to look at that many points. Uh, I hope that's a helpful answer to that.
2: All right, let's get to Karen's question here. She's a very good friend of mine, and I love her dearly. Mm -hmm. Karen is saying, I'm a Virgo and extremely extroverted and empathic. What advice, if any, do you have to control the overwhelming energies I'm I'm bombarded with for everyone I come into contact with? How do I control those waves of energies I pick up from others so I'm not constantly overwhelmed and emotionally exhausted?
5: Okay. So let me first make a tech. I, I deal with this question all the time. I seem to attract super sensitive clients. So I deal with this issue a lot. First off, you are not sensitive because of your Virgo. Virgo is not really known for sensitivity. You are prob- You are undoubtedly sensitive Karen, because you either have a lot of Pisces planets or you have a lot of aspects from Neptune or you have a loaded 12th house. Uh, Alternatively, some people with a lot of water sign placements, Cancer and Scorpio, can have that level of sensitivity as well. But usually it's, it's the 12th archetype, Neptune, Pisces, or 12th house. So if you look at your chart, you may discover that that's going on for you natally. How to deal with it. Um, here's, I, I actually am going to go back to the invocations I talked about because that's the core of my answer. First off, um, a lot of people who are sensitive... Uh, some of them numb themselves out with substances, with alcohol, with drugs, in order to not feel so much. And if that keeps from going crazy, that's certainly better than going crazy. Uh, some people get into psychic armoring or shielding or mirroring, and that can be effective. But my, my belief is that if you have that level of sensitivity, um, it's a two-way street. Uh, A lot of people who are sensitive are only aware of being impacted by the world around them. It doesn't occur to them, oh, my God, I could also be sending energy out through that same transparent boundary. So what I recommend to people who are super sensitive is wake up. Do some kind of spiritual practice that ignites and amplifies the divine light within you. And when you, instead of uh, being a tiny spark, are a roaring sun – and all this heat and light spiritually are pouring out from you, all that unpleasant energy that is trying to come into you will fry like mosquitoes hitting a bug zapper. So in my opinion, the best defense is a good offense. If you will cultivate your inner light, if you will do, I don't care if it's my stuff or anything else, just do something that awakens you to merge with the divine within you, and have it illuminate in your daily life, you will discover that you will be far less bothered by that stuff, less of it will come in. And I'll I'll mention here there's a healing tool that I also offer in that, you know, earlier I talked about my banner on astroshaman.com that says Heal and Awaken Invocations. There's four posts on that page, and the fourth one has a photo of a screaming man, and it says, Your Negative Reactions, Golden Opportunities for Clearing and Awakening. And there I give a seven-word invocation, maximum healing that serves highest good, please, which if spoken and then you go into that passive breathing like I described earlier, will bring in a shower of healing energy inside you and around you and will flush out whatever nastiness got in or transmute it to love and light. So that's something you can do if you have picked something up. But what you'll discover is if you are cultivating your awakening, um, then you will A, pick up less in the first place, and B, you will discover that you are much more joyful and healed and illuminated. The the thing about picking up stuff is it can't stick to you unless you have an opening. And an opening means there is some kind of unhealed wound or trauma within you, maybe from this life, maybe from a past life. And the universe is very good about having things happen that will bring those to your attention what are we taught to do in our society? We medicate ourselves, we distract ourselves, we sweep it under the rug. We're, we're taught anything except to face it and deal with it. okay? But in fact, if you do one of my simple healing tools like that invocation, and you just relax and call for the divine to take care of it and you go to passive breathing, it might amaze you. I have so many clients they say in a minute or two, that thing went from really intense to nothing, whether it's emotional pain or physical discomfort these techniques have, for so many people, take this stuff out in record time. So you can call for the clearing of whatever does. And here's something else that has happened for me is, um, let, me, let me also tell a brief story to illustrate this point. In one of my very early plant spirit ceremonies, this was with the San Pedro cactus uh, in a sermonic ceremony, what San Pedro did all night long. And these ceremonies go from like 10 p.m. to dawn. Uh, the somatic intensity was so intense. I mean, if I could tolerate a 10, it felt like it was a 14, and it went on for hours and hours, unrelenting. The San Pedro was merciless, and I kept begging the planet in the world, please turn it down. It's it's just, I'm suffering so much, and it would not. And after hours of this, I finally had the realization, oh, I can make myself bigger, <laughs> And I just asked my higher self, please make me large enough to comfortably contain this. And immediately my light body expanded and what I was aware of went beyond and outside of that challenging energy. And the energy was exactly the same and all of a sudden it was comfortable. So if you think about it, my premise is that each of us is actually the entire universe and all the dimensions of consciousness. my experiences were all god there's nothing but god down here god entertains itself by pretending to be different things and different people so you have the capacity to become large enough to comfortably contain anything because the universe comfortably contains everything in it including supernovas and black holes so if you can simply be large enough in consciousness that which seemed unbearable from a smaller perspective all of a sudden becomes comfortable And the part of awakening is you feel the joy and you feel the pain of the world, but if your awakening is deep enough, it does not cause you pain. Uh, For example, when I do my healing work, I am very empathic and I feel in my body what the client is feeling to the degree that I need to feel it to help them. And I can feel, wow, so much emotional pain and my heart chakra will feel pain in it so that I can know where they're having trouble and I'll, I'll be able to be the conduit for the energy that helps them. And I feel the pain, and yet I'm not in pain myself. There's awareness of it. What I should say is there's no suffering. So as an awakening being, you you are feeling more and more the, the pain and the pleasure both. What we discover is the deeper your awakening goes, the less you're bothered by any of it. So my advice to this beautiful, sensitive Karen is I would I have the premise, the reason you are sensitive is because you showed up here to be a conduit of energy for everybody else. You need to kindle your own awakening, become a bright, powerful, shiny being at the core, and radiate that love and light to the world. And whatever you have to do to awaken that, I would strongly recommend it because I feel you really only have two choices. You can stay more dim and be pummeled by the toxic energy of earth or you can awaken, rekindle, or become aware of the light and power already within you and have a much more pleasant experience and have the indescribable joy of serving in the light. And I will tell you, there is nothing that gives me more ecstasy, more joy, including tantric sex, than being a conduit for love and light to other people. The ecstasy of that is just off the charts. So long answer, but that's what I respond in that way.
2: Does that work for us Geminis, too?
5: <laughs> it works for everyone if they're willing to do it. Uh, uh, you're not just a Gemini. Your son may be in Gemini, but you've got other planets in other areas. That, are, you, are you sensitive like that, too, Dave? Yes, very,
2: very much. And, and well, you know what, one of my issues is I carry a lot of burden. And believe mm-hmm. it or not, I I, I consider myself... As weird as this sounds, I really don't know how to explain it. But mm-hmm. one one of the roles that I have learned since I spiritually awoken was that it's kind of my job to take pain from people and carry it myself. Now I know at times Ooh. that it, I know at times that it isn't okay. healthy, but that's the that's the message and the path that I have been put on. And so at okay. times I hurt. And I hurt bad. So when, yep. I, when I finally have too much in me, I implode.
5: Okay. And so that's... May I p- offer you... Yeah, please. Can I offer you a pause? Because I've had a similar experience, and I got past it. Okay? Now, my own path into this was... Uh, again, I've done over 100 ayahuasca ceremonies. And what started happening after a while was other people... I'm going to use a technical word here. The word is hucha. H-U-C-H-A, and it's from the Quechua language in South America, and it means waste energy. Hucha is the energetic equivalent of piss or poop, okay? Mm-hmm. And we've all got it, the heavy, dense stuff that's clogging us up and blocking our light, okay, to some degree. And what was happening is as I gained more capacity, uh, other people's stuff they were clearing was getting and dumped on me, and I was being taught how to be a transmutational furnace in my belly And in one ceremony, I literally had the image in the inner world of a friggin' dump truck coming up and backing up and dumping all this sledge right on top of me, and I had to sit there and transmute it through my belly. It was amazing, and it did transmute. So I got really good at transmuting other people's stuff, and I just, every time, for years in ceremony, every time I'd go in, I'd spend the first hour or two shaking and vibrating, getting really hot, because I was being used to transmute other people's stuff that they weren't clearing for themselves. And it was, it was really exhausting. And it was happening in my shamanic healing work and everything. And thank God, about a year, year and a half ago, I finally started learning how to hand that off to my divine helpers. Um, one very simple thing you could do, Dave, or anyone else who's feeling like they're taking on their stuff, is say, hey, St. Germain, <clears throat> you got this beautiful violet flame that transmutes any dark energy to love, St. Germain, instead of me taking this on personally, getting weighted down, would you please just send down that violet flame and transmute it for me? Or whatever divine beings you work with, Jesus or whoever. You know, the thing is, you can, and and I thought for years that it was just my lot, like you think now, perhaps. Uh, That's my job. I I transmute it for people, and I just go through the difficulty for a while, and that's just how it is. But I since have learned that's not necessary you can, you can, again, invoke your divine beings who have the ability to do this for you and say, hey, I know I can do it myself. I've done it. Would you please do it for me? Please. And, and you can use divine helpers. And another thing I was told to do about a year and a half ago is use crystals. And there's these beautiful dark stones like the uh, black tourmaline and uh, other, you know, any stone that's really dark is it an energy absorber and you for example could use one of those hold it in your hand or have it near you when you're doing energetic work and ask the stone would you please transmute this for me take it so i don't have to the earth herself or a tree will be happy to do this for you they love that hoochie they love that heavy stuff and and they love taking it in and transmuting it and composting it so to speak into beautiful energy so you have all these allies physical allies spiritual allies whose job and happiness is to transmute the stuff for you, and all you have to do is ask and allow them. And and again, it may take a while to get the hang of it, but I will promise you, you don't have to keep transmuting that stuff if you don't want to.
2: See, right now... You have
5: allies who were. Sorry. Go ahead. Right now in my
2: hand, I have a five-pin bowling ball size ball of sodalite. Okay. And this totally relaxes me. And I've actually been rubbing it in my hands as we speak. And so with if you're looking at say a crystal or a gem of some sort, is it something that your body should should resonate with rather than rather than just saying, Okay, well, this stone is good for depression, this one's good for anxiety, this one's good for temptation or, or whatever it is. Shouldn't it be your well, body Well it depends that picks how sensitive you are.
5: If you if you are not real sensitive and you can't feel the stones, they'll still do it. So if you don't have that sensitivity yet, then just go by the descriptions. But if you are sensitive, then your body and your and your psychic sensitivity itself will tell you which stones you're drawn to and what they're supposed to do for you. Makes
2: sense. I'll just continue playing yeah. with my sodalite. Yeah, thanks. Makes me. Fun. And and by the way,
5: so, stones. You know, there, there's. Like the Book of Stones, I, I forget, Robert, whoever his last name is. Um, if someone wanted a single book on gemstones, that would be the single one I would recommend. Uh, just look for the Pocket Book of Stones, mm-hmm. and that is the single best reference I've found after some considerable research. It seems to be the one most widely stocked by the metaphysical stores, too. Um, but that gives a great, broad overview. So they, they do have certain natural qualities and if, if you just want one stone that can do everything, get quartz. Quartz can be programmed for anything. And, and again, to, you work with a stone in a very conscious way. Remember, the stone is a conscious being. Its way of thinking is very different than a human's. Its consciousness is at a different order of vibration. But if you talk to the stone, you say, Stone, would you please do this for me? And and then what I do, I I make the request and then I say, Divine, please program this stone for this function. And then I relax, like I said, passive breath, and I just relax and I feel the energy come in and go through me into the stone, and I feel the divine programming it in the way that I asked, then the stone gets set up. For example, when I um I you know, I filter water out of my tap through the special filter. And then I put a little quartz crystal in every gallon jug, and I've got like 13 of them in my kitchen. And once I fill them up, I stand there and I hold my hands and I say, spirit that I am, please charge this water and the crystals in the jugs for my highest good. And I relax and I feel a strong current come in the top of my head, out my hands, and, and the, the water in the jugs and the crystals supporting them are vibrationally changed to exactly the vibration I need and I you know Benjamin doesn't know the technicalities of that but my higher self does um, that's a principle I work with too since Benjamin is just an ego just a three dimensional construct and his, in, his intelligence is a tiny spark compared to the raging bonfire of my divine intelligence any detail I can delegate up to my divine I do you know in a sense I'm lazy if, if the divine can do it for me I'm sure as heck not going to do it at the ego level The divine is so much smarter and so much more powerful. And at the Benjamin level, I look up and I use that as my ally. For example, program the water. I don't have to be anymore for my highest good. That's all I need. The water gets shifted, and I can taste the difference when I drink it. Mm -hmm. And you can, again, program your crystals the same way.
2: we got about five minutes before we got to go to break here. I want to get in another question because the audience seems to be taking over here, and I'm okay with that sometimes.
5: That's fine. Go ahead.
2: Eric is asking, what is the purpose of reincarnating if we are in an amnesiac state without knowing what our goal is?
5: Because you don't stay in amnesia. Um, you, you chose an earth incarnation at the soul level for a very specific reason. And, you know, maybe rarely it's the, the things you wanted to stay asleep the whole time and just, and just have a full human experience without any divine awareness. Or, or perhaps if you're listening to this show, you actually want to awaken and find out why you really came. So the premise of the question I believe is false, which is if we're just going to stay amnesiac anyway, what's the point? There, there really wouldn't be much of a point if that just kept happening. The point is to wake up out of the matrix and and rediscover what you really are beyond the human level, these ecstatic, wonderful, blissful, divine levels of beingness, and start to be conscious in those and as I described earlier, to integrate them into your body so your experience shifts from feeling like you're an isolated human being to your daily experience like mine being, I am pure divine awareness operating this body. And you get into a state called, I call walking between the worlds, and, and at all times I'm never not aware of my divine aspect. I'm never not aware of my physical body. And once you get solid enough in your awakening – then the 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 spectrum is automated there may be something i'm doing that's very technical and needs my full attention and i might be mostly benjamin human consciousness with little divine at that moment there might be another time i'm sitting in meditation and i'm 95% spirit just a teeny tiny bit of physical awareness but what happens after a while is that spectrum automatically adjusts itself and then you become always awake in physical always awake in divine and consciousness is self-regulating in terms of how much attention is put at what level. So, um, again, the premise, I believe, is false. We're not here just to stay asleep. We are here to wake up and discover what we are and what particular mission we signed up for for this human experience.
2: we got time to slip in. One more question here. we got about two and a half minutes. This one comes from Beyond the Omniverse. Mr. Bernstein, can you briefly discuss who E.T.'s, is does he, and do you communicate and connect with, and have you experienced yourself beyond the universe?
5: Beyond the universe, yes. I have had experiences of myself as pure oneness. I have had uh, periods of time where I was just pure one, and that, of course, is beyond description. Uh, in terms of ETs, I, I actually, beyond the UFO thing I talked about, had a beautiful experience about a year ago in an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, and, again, my belief in those I'm not hallucinating stuff that isn't there, I'm tuning into more than is normally perceived that's quite real in, in its own way. And a ton of ETs showed up, many different forms of aliens, uh, many different shapes and sizes, and, and they asked me to be their ambassador to the ceremony. And... Um, and I wasn't leading the ceremony, of course. I was just a participant. But at the moment I was inspired, I broadcast their beingness to everyone in the room. And there were about 40 people in the ceremony. And mentally I said, here are your E.T. brothers and sisters. And I basically just allowed the energy of those beautiful beings to saturate the room. And I wasn't trying to take over the ceremony from the shaman who was doing it. This is what I was called to do in the moment. Um, but I was very conscious of those beautiful beings and and the fact that you know hopefully some people in the ceremony were aware of them at some level and were able to enter into a deeper communion with them because of that mm-hmm. so um so it 's like i 'm aware that i 'm not just human, and it doesn 't matter when you say well you 're an e t as long as you don 't restrict e t to being from the the physical universe yeah <laughs> <laughs> Because I love, that's why I love that last Indiana Jones movie in one way, because the E.T. ship blipped out to another dimension. And that was a little message to us, don't restrict your E.T. thinking to physical beings. Maybe they come from other dimensions. Maybe they're angels or ascended masters. Maybe they're way more than you think they might be.
2: Can you believe we're already two hours down?
5: I'm having a great time. You're right. It does blow by really quick.
2: (laughs) I know. I know. It feels like we just got started here. But we got to prep for our uh, break here right now at the top of the hour. Benjamin Bernstein is our guest tonight, the Astro Shaman. I highly suggest you check out his website, astroshaman.com. Find out all the information there. You can check it out. Find out what suits you. Lead you down that path. And see where it takes you. That's what I'm going to be doing as well. Don't forget, during the commercial break, make sure you listen to our ads because check out what's going on. And you can check out our website, spaceoutradio.com, because we have a plethora of features for you to check out and peruse around there. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. One hour to go right here on the Mighty SORs. We kick off my birthday week with Dad's birthday today. Cool. Have a good one. We'll be right back. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there, this is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
6: The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. S.O.R. Sightlines. Your answers are a click away.
1: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, E.T. Experiencer, Spirit Medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers, and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
5: Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with E4COP. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries, so tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days.
1: This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, to mediums and a large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com.
7: This is Eric Markham, news editor for the Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream, the encounter online only at spacedoutradio.com.
3: Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Story so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com.
1: Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience.
8: Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today.
1: don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today.
9: Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com.
0: And on Facebook's Based Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program.
2: Welcome back to the third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Great to have you along for the ride. Tomorrow night, we get into the conspiratorial world. Get your tinfoil hats ready. We talk about NASA, UFOs, the moon, alien bases. It's going to be great tomorrow night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time. Our guests will be Ken Johnson and Brett Collins-Shepard you can find us at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Thank you so much for being with us. We are also live down in Noonan, Georgia on WQEE 99, Rock the Key, home of the Walking Dead. We're live on KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the double R machine is a donation. station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell, set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. A panthropinization is your password for tonight. Make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, as Bill sets a password each and every night right here on the mighty SOR. But you've got to be a member of the SOR Space Travelers Club to use it. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to connect with me live during the show. You can also give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including the brand new Spaced Out Radio Store. We have T-shirts, we have stickers, posters, soon to be Carl the Alien Head candles. We also have information on the 2017 first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou. Paracon that we will be holding September 29th to October 1st and if you're looking for some great news to read, check out the encounter online put together by our news editors Eric Markham and Everett Themer. Now, back to tonight's show. Benjamin Bernstein has been our guest the first two hours he's going the distance, all three. The Astro Shaman is what he calls himself his website, astroshaman.com Benjamin, welcome back
5: Thank you, Pleasure to be here in the third hour. I'm having a great time.
2: Well, I'm glad you are. And you know what? Our audience makes it so well worth it. So well worth it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they do. They are passionate about what we do around here. Now, one of the things that you mentioned earlier on in hour number two was about empaths. We have a lot of people out there Mm -hmm. as they find their more spiritual self. They understand they're picking up energy, whether they walk into a a grocery store, a church, work, where you can, they're feeling the energy and they know the mood of that building or place or wherever they are before they even mm-hmm. enter the establishment. Now, a lot of people... Yeah understand that they're picking up on that energy, but they don't know how to quality or how to deal with it with any quality quality assurances that they're not going to be affected. So we have a lot of people out there carrying excess baggage that they don't even know how they attract it. How do you help out mm-hmm. empaths who maybe don't know that they're empaths?
5: Ah, okay. Well, first they... Okay, so we covered a lot of this last hour, but uh, you just put a new twist on it. How do you help them if they don't know their empath? The first thing would be for them to understand um, what is the distinction between their personal space and the space around them. Um, a lot of people who are empathic, they, they don't know if it's their emotion or someone else's emotion. And... Um, what I would say is a technique. In fact, I just had a client I worked with a few days ago who was in a similar situation to that. She couldn't really separate herself from the world around her. And invocations are so helpful for this because they can be customized. Uh, you know, I gave some particular invocations in the first hour, but basically the formula for an invocation, speaking to your higher self, is to say maximum fill-in-the-blank that serves highest good, please, followed by passive relaxation and allowing. And what I'd do with this client is I had her do, okay, maximum expansion into the universe that serves highest good, please, to really give her the full experience of this is you mixed with everything else. And then we follow that by invoking um, maximum focusing into the physical body and the ego that serves highest good, after which she simply relaxed and rested in her breath, and her field contracted, much smaller than she'd ever... This woman was 64 years old, and she said she's never been fully in her body in her entire life. And we did that first round. and said, oh, my God, I'm actually feeling things. The, the senses are more alive. It's a more vibrant embodied experience than I've ever had. I said, yay, okay, good, let's do it again. And we expanded again, went way out into oneness with everything, invoked that, invoked once again, union, maximum contraction into just my physical body and my energy body. And she relaxed and let that contraction happen, and then she felt, you know, more of just her. So, again, the premise is whatever you want to have happen energetically, invoke it from your higher self, and then passively breathe and let it be done for you, and your divine will be happy to make that energetic shift for you. And then you can have the experience of the expert, the divine, doing it for you, and and in this case, that would be a beautiful way for a person who's, you know, that empathic to have more of an experience of what is it like to be just me. Now, again, last hour we talked about, you know, how an empath can call in their awakening and and work productively by becoming more illuminated within and broadcasting that beautiful energy out, which is, I think, why empaths come here, so they can be broadcasters of love and light once they get their own inner fire really awakened and are aware of it. Um, but that is my answer to the more technical spin you put on the question just now.
2: Let's get to a follow-up question, this one coming from Beyond the Omniverse, I'm right into this show. This is like his fifth question, or maybe it's a her. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. Beyond, you have to clarify, <laughs> are you are you male or female or, or you know, one of those, uh, you know, can't figure it out yet. What are you?
5: I need There's to a know. lot of shades of gray between the two. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have asked that. I think I just may have put my foot in my mouth right there. But not that it matters. So essentially, an empath must go inside of oneself and bring out his or her own light to repel others' emotions. And he is a man. Thank you for clarifying. Thank you.
5: Okay. Um, uh, that is the basic idea, although I would not use the word repel. Um. Again, what, what I've experienced and what many who I've worked with have experienced, and well, you know, the point is a lot of people are doing this. Again, if you're an empath, you are wired to be sensitive. That is what you signed up for. And there's no, there's no really life-affirming way to stop that sensitivity. It is what you intended. My whole premise is your job is to learn the upside of it which is not just being pummeled by the uncomfortable energies of the outside world, but to get your own light burning bright and strong, and you radiating out the light and love of your divinity. And thus you reverse the flow from mainly being, you know, a sponge. Here, here's another metaphor that may help clarify this. If you're empathic, you're a sponge. And if you go out as a dry sponge, you will soak up whatever water is out there, whether it is dirty or clean, if you are a saturated sponge you will not soak up anything and you will go out and drip water everywhere so as an empath if you want the most wonderful human experience you will saturate your sponge with divine light and divine consciousness and then you will go do the job i think you came here to do which was to you know drip or radiate this beautiful energy everywhere you go and that and and to answer more particularly And you will still feel other people's stuff. That will become a commonplace experience, except that, I mean, it's already commonplace for you. The difference is it will not bother you. If you are awake enough, here's, you know, I talked earlier about my San Pedro experience where I asked to be made larger, and once I expanded beyond the the disturbing phenomenon, it was comfortable. And in the same way, if you can ask to be made in consciousness larger than the phenomenon that is disturbing you, then you are the master of that phenomenon. There will still be awareness of it, but there will be no suffering. And I hope that's a a sufficient answer to that.
2: Mm -hmm. I do want to ask you, because we were going to test out an awakening practice, but before we get Mm -hmm. to that, I am someone who is very public about my suffering from depression and anxiety. I make no bones Mm -hmm. about it. I'm not a medication guy. In fact, you know, I have been having a major, major anxiety breakdown the last two and a half days, almost Mm -hmm. three days. And it wasn't until we went on the air on this show when I finally started to calm myself down because that's a calming influence being behind the microphone gives me. I understand right. your, your premise of, you know, you have to learn how to face it and you have to learn how to deal with it without any medication or anything like that. I didn't say
5: that. I, you can get there, but if, if medication is necessary, then by all means use medication okay. until you get to a point where you do not require it.
2: Right, because I've been two and a half years free of medication. Okay. And I'm, and I'm kind of proud about that, you know, to be honest. Good for you. Good but for you. Thank you. But one of the things that concerns me about about this is sometimes we who suffer from depression and anxiety, we we tend to either put too much on our shoulders or take too much in without realizing that we haven't released it. We carry it as our own burden. How do we flush mm-hmm. our system in order to be ourselves, to control the mental illness, which is depression and anxiety?
5: Okay. Well, would you rather me talk about it, or would you actually like me to lead you through the actual experience of clearing that?
2: Well, why don't you talk about it first, and then in a little bit, I guess we can go through the experience.
5: Okay. And by the way, as I lead you through the healing process, the listeners can do it at the same time. So this won't just be for you personally. Anyone who has any energy of any kind in them that is unpleasant to them can do the process with this, and it will be customized for whatever their particular challenges so this will be for the benefit of anyone who chooses to participate in the process once we do it Um, so basically this is the healing invocation and there's two levels now uh, I described the healing invocation earlier but I'll I'll highlight it again Um, first let me give the long form invocation that's more detailed in its full glory it is spirit that I am please saturate me with your healing loving light Please clear from me all energies that do not serve highest good. Starting now, thank you, this or something better. So that's a full sense of it. But again, the shortcut of seven words where you just say to your higher self, maximum healing that serves highest good, please, accomplishes the same thing. So you say the words. You go to passive breath awareness and you simply feel the breath in your body coming and going wherever you feel it most easily, and you do not help in any way. As I said before, no willpower, no no effort, no deliberate visualizing or imagining. When you become aware your attentions anywhere other than your breath, you bring it back. You don't fight the distraction. If the distraction remains in the background, fine. There's room for both of you. Just keep choosing the breath. And the more passive you stay the easier you make it for the divine to come in and take care of that for you. A lot of reasons, for many people, they've been trying for years and years through their own ego effort to deal with this stuff, and they've done the best they knew how, but what a lot of people don't realize is if they would call in the expert who is far better at this sort of thing than the ego is, it would get accomplished a lot more efficiently. So they don't understand, oh, I can actually call in my higher self. And, then, and, there's, and a lot of people do that, and they say, well, it didn't work, but they didn't understand about becoming completely passive and stepping out of the way inside to let the divine do it because they at the ego level were still trying to help or they were still talking to it, and they were being yang, and they need to be yin to give the divine full access. When you do an invocation, any thought whatsoever becomes an impediment, even thoughts that seem helpful. So what you're doing is focusing on a non-mental focus like breath, and if you are fully experiencing a breath in that moment, there is no mental chatter. You are either fully experiencing a breath or you are chattering, but you cannot do both at the same time. And I'm not saying you have to be silent 100% of the time. It doesn't matter how many times you get distracted. All I'm saying is each time you notice you're distracted, you come back to the breath. And if you're distracted most of the time and just with the breath part of the time, fine. You know, To some degree, that light's getting in and helping you. The more you practice the technique, the more better you'll get at holding that breath awareness a little longer. So there's no way to screw it up. You just do the best you can, and, and you'll get some efficacy immediately. And it'll just get stronger and stronger the more you develop your expertise. So, so that's now what I just described is the healing invocation, which I call a broad-spectrum healing tool. The healing invocation, all you're asking for is whatever doesn't serve me, take it out. And this does it physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, and spiritually at the same time. The healing invocation can, can literally run dozens of healing processes at once. A sensitive person can feel numerous processes happening in different parts of their body and energy field simultaneously. And all they have to do is relax in the breath and it runs itself. Now, There is a second tool that can be used instead of or in addition to the healing invocation. My own preference is to call healing invocation first and then layer this on top. The healing invocation is used when there's just a sense of there's no particular thing that's right up in your face drawing your attention, but you're feeling, I'm feeling out of sorts, you know, generally speaking, I'm feeling a little clogged, then the general healing invocation and passive breath awareness is perfect, but maybe you've got anxiety up and it's really strong and the big thing you're working right now is this huge anxiety. So what I would say is first, it's focused somewhere in your body. So step one to use the second tool, which I call simple focus awareness, is to notice where in my body do I feel that is harmony, And you notice where is it? And then you ask yourself, okay, is there a center point to this unpleasant energy, and if so, you will then rest your awareness exactly in the center of where it feels the worst. If it's more broadly dispersed evenly, then you put your consciousness all through it, and, and this is easy to do. You just feel it. And what you do with simple focus healing is you just feel the phenomenon with no effort to change it or heal it or fix it. You are willing to go right into it, full strength, no filter, no holding back, and you completely experience the disharmonious feeling on the feeling level. There's no thought here. You're not thinking about it. You're not doing any strategies. You're just merging with it. And if you do this, if you're willing to just merge, first off, it's way less, diff- way less painful than most people think. What people are amazed at first is, wow, wow, it was actually a lot more painful to resist feeling it than it was simply to merge with it. Most of the suffering is actually the fear of feeling it instead of the actual feeling of it. So what I'll guarantee you is if you are willing to do this, you will not be overwhelmed. You will have that full feeling and you will be able to handle it, mainly because the divine will only allow you to feel as much of it as you can handle. Okay? So you're here feeling the phenomenon, resting in it, and within a minute or two, an extraordinary thing starts to happen. When I guide clients through this, I have them rate the intensity of the unpleasantness on a 1 to 10. 10 would be excruciatingly intense, and 1 would be it feels wonderful. There's no problem left. So you give the number, and then you just start resting in the center and feeling it. And I say you're like a scientist looking through a microscope. You're observing the phenomenon, except in this case, observing means feeling the somatic sensation of the phenomenon. And you're just resting in it and being with it, and within a minute or two, and sometimes quicker, you'll observe that all on its own, that phenomenon is weakening. And you may feel it actually drain out the body. The hands and feet are the most common exit routes for this heavy energy. Again, it's hucha, like I described earlier. It might go out chakras. It'll find a way out. Or it might simply transmute to light right where it is. The energy doesn't leave at all. It just changes to something wonderful. And I've had more experiences than I can remember doing shamanic healing for people where they might start with an intensity level of seven or eight, really painful, and they do this process, and within two minutes they'll say, it's gone. Whether it was an emotional pain or a physical pain, it just left. Because what happens when you do a simple focus healing is when you are just pure awareness in the center of the unpleasant feeling, there's two ways you can think about this. One is because I am focusing myself, I actually shifted awareness and became the divine, which tough to put words on, but you could say the divine could be described as pure awareness. Or you could say, well, my ego put its attention there and that automatically summoned this other part of me that's the divine and it doesn't matter how you think about it, it works either way. But what happens if you are just willing to be fully present with the unpleasantness, what actually happens is very quickly it starts to dissolve or transmute or drain out and often within a minute or two, there is either significant relief from the phenomenon or it goes away entirely. So that's simple focus healing, which is linked from my again back to how to get to this. If you're on astradharma.com, click the purple banner on the home page that says Heal and Awaken Invocations. It takes you to a page with four blog posts. The fourth post has the screaming man. It says your negative reactions, etc. Click that, and right toward the end of that post, there are several links, and one of those posts is the link to simple focus healing. Alternatively, you could simply type the word simple focus healing into the search box on astroshaman.com, and it will come right up. So that technique has proved itself over and over again with my clients. I don't think I've ever had it not work, at, at least to some degree. And Dave, if you want to do that and the listeners want to do that, I'd be happy to, to guide you through that you know, directly and have you report your actual experience, because you and I have never done this before, have we?
2: No, we have not. But before we do that, I do want to get to one question from our audience. This one came in from PJ. And PJ is asking at hashtag SpacedOutRadio on Twitter, His doctor, inf- or my doctor informed me that I have an unknown source of inflammation in my body. Is there a way I can work to help heal
5: myself? Yes. You can ask your divine to heal it. <laughs> Again, um... You could just broadly call the healing invocation and rest and let the divine do that. See, my my experience is that the divine knows what healing you need better than your ego does. So all that's ever actually required is just to ask for whatever healing serves highest good. You could, if you wish, customize that, and you could say something like, uh, maximum healing that serves highest good, please, including this inflammation, and then rest in that. And you could either just relax and let the broad-spectrum technique work that I described, or if you are feeling the inflammation in your body and the actual experience of it, then I would choose wherever in the body that's most intense, wherever the inflammation is strongest and most unpleasant, and then after you've called healing invocation, just put your attention directly in there and just rest in the full, unfiltered experience of the discomfort for a few minutes and see what happens. Now again, I can't guarantee how effective or ineffective this is going to be for you, and I'm certainly not saying you should do this in lieu of other treatments because you should always use whatever combination of treatments you find most effective. All I'm saying is calling in your divine to help sometimes can deal with a problem entirely and at the very least can be a helpful supplement to whatever other healing tools you are using at the very least it could be worth a try so you can prove to yourself whether it does or does not work
2: excellent excellent answer let's go to the healing process then i want to test this out do we have enough time okay. cuz we got about 30 minutes left in the show
5: is that plenty of oh, time oh god yeah we i mean you should know within 5 or 10 minutes if it's working
2: all right i'm ready and the and our listeners can do this with me if they're tuning in
5: I will guide both you and the listeners in this process. All right. All right. So so I'm going to speak to Dave about his particular concern, listeners. But you, listener, if you want to do this with me, I want you to substitute the name of whatever your issue is instead of anxiety for Dave. Okay? So um, we're going to start with – and by the way – Please only do this if you can give it your full attention. Please do not do this if you are driving or if you are distracted by external things. If you really want the good result, wait until you can give this your full attention. If you're live, then you might want to do this on the replay instead of right now if you cannot actually give it your full attention because you need your full attention inside to get the best effect. And I don't, certainly don't want you endangering yourself by putting attention inside you need it outside so with that disclaimer we'll move forward so close your eyes assuming you can do so safely all
6: right, I am done.
5: and okay and feel your whole body at once and just get a sense of this is the overall feeling i'm having all right and then identify for you dave it's anxiety so uh is is the anxiety stronger in a particular part of the body, or is it very generally spread, or is there is there a center to it, or is it more broadly dispersed equally?
2: It's in the upper part of my head and around my shoulders.
5: Okay. So is it equally strong throughout that area, or is there a center where it's most intense?
2: Uh, The head is equally strong, but the shoulders are are kind of in between my shoulder blades is where it's intense.
5: Okay. And of those two places, where is it the strongest of all? The head. Okay. So, uh, So you, Dave, place your attention in the head, and you listeners just notice whatever you're working on, whatever discomfort, whether it's physical or emotional or whatever, just note where that is. So first, we're going to do the healing invocation broad scale to get that started. And again, we're just going to, don't say them yet, but we're just going to do the seven words, maximum healing that serves highest good, please, please understand you are speaking that to your own higher self to invoke its help. So now repeat after me out loud if you can, silently if you must, uh, maximum healing. Maximum healing. That serves highest good, please.
2: That serves highest good, please.
5: Okay, now, that's for everybody. Now, everybody, feel your breath. We're going to start just with this, and then we're going to layer the other technique on in just a moment. So coughing is good. That's a release. (laughs) So um, notice where in your body do you feel the breath most easily. As the breath on its own comes and goes, there is no breath control here. You just let it do what it wants but notice where is the breath felt. And at this level of the process, you are not using any effort or willpower. You're not deliberately visualizing or imagining. You're just feeling breath come and go. And at any point during this process, if you notice that your attention has strayed from your point of focus, do not fight or try to change the distraction, which would only make it stronger instead relax back into the point of focus very gently and persistently there's no way to do this wrong it doesn't matter how many times you get distracted it does not matter how long they last just return to the point of focus very persistently and very gently so take note already if you now i now when i lead this process i'm actually feeling everyone doing it whether they're doing it live or in the future on the recording So I'm feeling a lot of energy coming in. And Dave, would you please report, do you already feel an increase in energy in your body?
2: Yes, especially around uh, my throat and starting to go into my shoulders. It's almost like a cooling effect.
5: Right. So just by invoking the healing invocation, the broad spectrum version, the energy is already calling it and you're focusing well enough on your breath that you're allowing it entry. Again, the more passive you are, the better it works. So you're already feeling something happening. And, Dave, I'm noticing you're already feeling energy coming out of your hands as, it, as the heavy stuff clears. Is that true?
2: Yes, indeed. My fingers are very sore right now, to be honest.
5: Okay. And the reason I know that is, is I'm, I'm tuned in a little bit to everybody, but I'm particularly tuned in to you, and I become real empathic, and thus I feel energetically what's happening in your body. I get this information on a need-to-know basis. So, Dave, I'm not picking up your thoughts but I am feeling enough of the energy flow in you that I can tell what's happening. So I can guide you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And again, like I said earlier, I'm feeling your challenging energy and I am not suffering. I'm just aware to the degree that I need to, to help you. Okay. So now we're going to tack on simple focus healing. So Dave and everyone else who, whatever you're working with, please notice Does the phenomenon that is disturbing you have a central point? And if it does, place your awareness in that exact center of where it feels the worst. And I will promise you, you will not be overwhelmed. It will not be too much. Just please place your awareness exactly in the center of where the challenge is and just Feel it. You are not trying to change it. You are not trying to make it better. Your ego, the sole function of your ego right now is to hold awareness on the feeling level like an animal would feel. Pure sensation, no thought. And again, if anything beyond pure sensation arises, it's a distraction. You don't fight it. You return to the feeling of your center focus if the distractions remain in the background that's fine there is room for both of you you keep choosing the feeling of where it feels the worst so dave um where is your attention right now in your body
2: it's on the top right side of my of my head okay
5: and is it too much or is it manageable to feel that
2: it's manageable absolutely
5: okay All right, on a one to ten, ten being excruciatingly painful, one being it feels wonderful, what number applies at this moment?
2: I would say a six. Okay.
5: And is it anxiety that you're feeling? Yes. Okay. Uh, Can you be descriptive of it beyond just anxiety? Is there a physical sensation associated with that?
2: Well, normally when I get into an anxious moment or have an anxious breakdown or attack, whatever you want to call it, I actually stop eating.
5: All right, let me focus you, Dave. Uh, You're going into the past. What are you feeling right now? Right now? Physically. In that spot.
2: I'm feeling um, still like an abrasive type. Of pain, but I feel a cooling uh-huh. sensation trying to make its way up through my from my shoulders through up to my head, straight up to good. my head. Okay,
5: so so we got, but it, but the sensation is pain. Is that correct?
2: More like aching, I would say aching.
5: Okay, so we have an aching with the description you got. So good. So we're defining it so your ego will be able to tell if something changed. Mm-hmm. So now that we've done the brain work. We're going to drop that, and now I just want you to feel, Dave, in that area you described. Put your full attention exactly where it feels the worst and just feel it. And listeners, place your attention exactly in the middle of where it feels the worst and just feel it 100%, no filter, If you don't have an exact center, then put your consciousness in the full area where the challenging feeling is. And just feel. Now, this is the part that may take a little patience because immediately your ego will want to do something. (laughs) And you just keep feeling. You just hold. All right, so... So, Dave, with you, I'm noticing a shift in that area. Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there, in fact, a change happening?
2: I I feel the the coolness that was rushing up my head. It seems to have it surrounded now. It feels actually kind of cool.
5: Good. All right, so just let it keep running. So what you're experiencing, Dave, and what hopefully the people doing this with you are experiencing is the simple fact that you are holding focus in the area of discomfort has summoned the divine. And when the divine energy is summoned through this simple focus technique, its automatic action is to heal, harmonize, and balance. It does it on its own. But critically, it also must respect the law of free will. If you at the ego level at any point during this process jump in and try to do something about it other than feel it, if you try to fix it through effort, you push the divine away So please, in this style of work, your sole function right now is simply to feel whatever is happening at that point of greatest challenge and just be the observer. Do not act. Just feel whatever is happening on its own. This leaves the maximum space for the divine to come in and do a much better job of this than your ego ever could. Like the earlier analogy I gave, you hired the plumber, let him fix the thing by himself, don't wriggle under there with him and tell him what to do. He knows better than you do. Just relax, feel the sensation, and just let the work run itself. So Dave, you've got a nice sweet flow at your arms, don't you? That that hucha, that heavy energy is clearing out very smoothly now, isn't it?
2: My fingers and wrists no longer ache.
5: Good. And what pain number on one to ten is in that area now? Ten being really feels bad, one feels really good.
2: I would say we're at about a two and a half to three.
5: And you started at a six or seven?
2: When you first asked me, I was at a I was at a six or a seven, yeah.
5: Good. Alright. So you've already cut it by half just by and you're just resting in the feeling you're not trying to help, is that true? That is true. So let's give it a moment longer. And listeners, please do this too if you're in this process with us. Just let the divine keep working. (sighs) This is humbling if you've never done this to realize, wow, my ego just can't do this for itself nearly as well as the divine can do it for me. And uh, once you accept that and, and you really come to grips with, wow, my ego is a very small and limited part of what i am and there are aspects of me that are much more magnificent and powerful and i have the right to call on them and they're going to help me every time because if i call they have to come how cool is that and if you can let that impulse go of wanting to do something while well, this is going on other than feel and you can test it if you if you want to test my theory then then jump in and try to help at the ego level and observe how fast it clears and then relax back and just feel and watch how fast it clears. Because if you jump in and try to help, you, the divine will have to back away, free will zone, and, and observe how much clears as you just try to do it yourself and then relax and see when you go passive what happens. Again, nothing I say about any of this stuff has to be taken on faith. You can test it yourself and see for yourself if it works or not. So What number are we at now, Dave, on that clearing?
2: I would say we're at about a one and a half. And the weird sensation that I just picked up about 20 seconds ago was that uh-huh. it, al- it almost feels like that area that has been surrounded—it it's, it's, now mm-hmm. feels numb. Mm-hmm. that's—I've never felt that okay. before. Like, like it okay. almost—it it still feels surrounded. Like I could feel the battle going on. But it, it right. start, it's starting to numb now, and I can feel it actually breaking down over the last couple of minutes. And it, it's almost like internally, it's running down the right side of my face and into my neck, where that next uh-huh. ball of pain is. You know, it's almost like it's trying to regroup right. itself.
5: Right. So it's draining down, and eventually, if you stay, with, for example, so you were focused in your head. Now, if we now we, we may. You, we don't have to continue, but what you would do next, if if now the area of greatest discomfort is the neck, you would shift your focus there and just hold awareness there, and the same phenomenon would repeat. The, the stuff would drain down, and eventually it will go out your hands or your feet or a chakra. It will find its way out. So you just repeat the same tool over and over until it's cleared. So do you want to continue the process, or was this a sufficient demonstration?
2: Well, oh, we can continue it. I'm I'm kind of enjoying this right now.
5: <laughs> see, see, and the numbness. I was I was I was told intuitively the numbness is divine anesthetic. Ah. Because you know the divine is, is temporarily numbing that because there's something that would act, that would be too painful for you to feel. So in order to do the work, the divine is is taking away sensations so it can go in there and do the painful thing without you being in pain.
2: This this is uh, i incredible.
5: Well, it's just how the divine works. (laughs) I remember ayahuasca ceremonies uh, where I would repeatedly black out and realize, oh, I just woke up from being asleep. And I, I came to realize what was happening when I was being put unconscious is something was being done that would have been too painful for me to bear consciously. And the divine is merciful that way. If it needs to do something that would have been too painful, it will numb it or it will temporarily black you out to do it, and then it will wake you back up as soon as it's done
2: hmm i can feel that
5: good so um so again um my my sense is my suggestion now dave is let's continue and this will sure. keep running in the background to some degree and you know when we're done if you want to do a little more work you now you know what to do again let me just thumbnail so, uh, the technique begin with the The healing invocation, the seven words, maximum healing that serves highest good, please. Rest in passive breath awareness, as I already described. Again, if it's a broad spectrum thing with no particular focus, that's sufficient. Just feel the breath come and go. If there is a particular area of intensity of discomfort, then use the simple focus tool. Simply hold attention wherever it feels the worst and simply feel. This automatically summons the divine, which... Clears or transmutes it, and 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 your ego will lie to you and tell you that's too simple to work. It couldn't be that easy, and yet it is. One one insight I'll share is, you know, in recent years the veils have gotten much thinner between the spirit world and the physical world, and stuff that would not have been possible a few years ago is easy now. I've I've lost track of the number of people I have guided into embodied awakening in about 15 or 20 minutes who have never meditated a day in their lives, and yet they went into the awakened state that rapidly. Ten years ago, that might not have been possible. It is possible now because the veils are getting thinner by the day. And and the access to those inner worlds, if you have an effective technique, is much easier. And let me add here, too, I am not in any way saying the tools I'm offering are the best tools out there I suspect there are even better tools. I just don't know about them yet. <laughs> and if I uncover tools that work better than what I'm offering, I will immediately drop these tools and go with the better ones. And, in fact, I encourage everyone to be very mindful of that. My my overall recommendation is please get attached to what will take me to awakening more deeply What will increase my service capacity? What will enable me to hear and act on my divine guidance? Whatever that is, do that. But at the same time, many people have the experience there's a particular tool that will help them for a while. They will then encounter a very different tool or technique or path that is clearly superior for them. They would be wise then to drop the prior path or technique and go to the new one because you always want to do what's working the best, and certain tools work best in certain vibrational ranges. There are a few tools that work across the spectrum, but if you encounter a specialized tool that is clearly doing a better job, be willing to release the old tool, at least for now, and use whatever is actually working the best based on your personal experimentation. That's my own, that's what I've done, and it's the, the thing I recommend as a, as a philosophy.
2: Wow. While you were speaking there, I I still have my eyes closed. And I'm just kind of meditating. The pain in my shoulders is is starting to go away, especially between my shoulder blades. You know, it's not that cool. It just seems to be dissipating. But with my eyes closed, I saw some really cool things, man. Really cool things. And in this in this beautiful blue coincidentally the the exact same blue i saw on the spaceship when i had my close encounter mm-hmm. of the third kind and Hi. it's and it's funny because i actually saw the face of a of a being it looked like a gray face but it was in that color blue that was so beautiful mm-hmm. and then he just kind Hi. of fa- came really close so close that it faded away so that was kind of intense. Mm-hmm. Very
5: intense. Was, it, was there a feeling tone associated with the, the visual?
2: Oh, it was very peaceful.
5: Good. Well, that was a good thing then. In yeah. the inner world, you think beings, dark beings can disguise themselves as light beings, but they can't change how they feel. Mm-hmm. So in the inner world, pay less attention to the visual and more attention to the feeling. If the feeling is warm and wonderful and bright and full of light, that's, that's a helpful influence. If the opposite is true, then obviously it's not an influence you want to hook up with. (laughs)
4: Um,
5: and, And my general comment about what happened is when you do inner work and techniques, there will be many transient phenomena that come and go. And my general recommendation is treat everything as a distraction that is not your current focus. So that being came and went, and my recommendation would have been, stay with your focus in your body don't Mm -hmm. fight the awareness because you also have peripheral Mm -hmm. awareness and you will be aware of everything you need to be aware of you will not miss a thing at the same time you want to stay with your technique until you're complete Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. um if that if you need to communicate with that being you can then techniques done you can then turn your focus and invite it back and perhaps it'll come back and you'll have your experience with it more more intensely but um you know, as an analogy, if you're going to see the king, and you start up the palace path, and there's these gorgeous gardens, and oh, there's these dancing girls over there. Oh my God, there's a circus! Let's go check it out. You know, there are so many incredible things in the inner worlds, um, and it's very easy to get sidetracked and never get to the initial goal of what you were shooting for. So, when you're doing a technique, my my overall advice is. Stay with your focus until that that technique is complete and then you can turn your attention to something else because there's just endless, literally infinite distractions in there. And you never fight anything, but uh, I do recommend staying on track with your intention until you feel it to be complete and then you can turn focus. The, The exception would be if something shows up like that and your inner wisdom says shift to this now, then by all means, you know, in my in my view, intuition overrides everything, including anything I ever say or ever will say. So when you're in the inner world, you know, um, and I'm being called to say this too, in the inner world, I never initiate anything. Um, once I'm in the inner world, like in a ceremony, I wait to be guided because what I have learned is that, again, Benjamin is... <laughs> is a babe in the woods in there and he really doesn't know the territory and never will. But the divine that I am is expert in there. So the ego rests and waits to be intuitively guided and takes only the action that the intuition leads it to. That's my own approach. I know lots of people who go exploring and checking it out as ego directed. And there can be a lot of cool stuff there, but there can also be a lot of danger in the inner world. If you're just poking around there out of curiosity, I prefer to wait and, and only take those actions that the intuition initiates.
2: Well, I can tell you this: while you were speaking, I realized I had legs again.
5: <laughs> Good, those are helpful. That,
2: that, that's how out of it I was.
5: Well, you got some. You got. You're you're very receptive. You did a great job relaxing and letting the energy work you.
2: Well, I I so, I, I have to thank my wife for that because she's a Reiki master. And and I never believed in any of this Reiki stuff, or Reiki, pardon me, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in trouble, Reiki, and uh, (laughs) I got one listener who corrects me all the time. Anyways, the first time she used it, I always thought, you know, what is this crap? You know, I I was skeptical of it all, and I was so Mm -hmm. sore between, because I carry most of my stress between my shoulder blades, and I was so stressed out. Uh, we had just been you know absolutely lambasted by people who we thought we were friends with and good friends Mm. with and they turned the tides on us and it was so stressful for me that i could barely walk straight and my wife says well let me try reiki on you and i was like fine just i'll take anything right now it just hurts so bad and she started about six feet behind me, and she goes, "I want you to tell me when she when you when you feel this." And she literally got about two, two and a half feet from my back, maybe eighteen inches to two and a half feet from my back, from touching my back. And I was screaming and wreathing in pain. It hurt so bad. And when she wow. pu- when she pulled that out, you know, it was like daggers in my back. And when she started pulling out these daggers i i stood up straight all of a sudden i slept at night it was the most intense mm. incredible feeling so now it's to the point where i'm so in tune with her <laughs> literally if i if i'm sore if i'm having a bad day i'm stressed all she has to do is put her hands either on my knees or or cup my feet with her hands and within 2 mm. minutes within 2 minutes i am in the deepest sleep that I could only wish for in the middle of the night. It is that intense. So, Beautiful. so I am very receptive to this. Yes.
5: Yeah, and and I will tell you that if you simply call for those same effects from within yourself, you could get to the point where your divine can give you reiki just as effectively as your wife can.
2: Oh yes, that I do know. That I do. In know. no
5: way, denig- she sounds like she's awesome. But anything another being can do for you energetically, your divine can do for you, if invoked, ultimately.
2: I have helped people. I have helped people. And it's pretty cool when you can pull things out of them. My problem is the release. Mm-hmm. That's my problem. Is yeah, you, you
5: need to, if you're going to work shamanically, you need to know how not to keep the shit you clear from your clients. Well, oh, That is <laughs> you true. You will get, you, will, you can get, I mean, there, there are many stories of shamans who have gotten sick and died from keeping the dark stuff they pulled out of people so if you're going to do that then be sure you've got really good contacts with your inner divine allies and that they can take away or transmute or dissolve whatever you are pulling out
4: Mm-hmm. and Oops. in fact
5: ultimately it should be the divine doing it through you anyway and you know when people ask how I do shamanism i say i show up and stuff happens but um all the energetic stuff is done through me, not by me. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a divine being working through Benjamin, not Benjamin doing it himself.
2: I'll tell you, my legs feel still feel great. Like from my knees on down, my legs feel like rubber right now. It's it's a great feel, it's a great feeling. So overall,
5: do you do you feel significantly better than when we started the technique?
2: Very much so. Yes, uh, I'm. I'm, okay. actu- I'm actually quite surprised.
5: Yeah. So, so now you have tools you can use on your own, anytime. You've got the healing invocation. You've got the simple focus tool, and they'll work on anything. So, feel free to keep using them anytime there's any disharmony. And and let me. I need to talk briefly about what I call the great onion of consciousness. <laughs> this is my metaphor for healing and awakening. So, my understanding and experience is that we're all God at the core. Like I said earlier, there's pure, blissful essence at the core of each one of us. And through this life and perhaps other lives, when we've had an unhealed wound or trauma, it puts a dark layer around that core of light. And we've accumulated a certain number of layers. We're like the onion. We're on the outside looking in toward that middle. Some of the light's coming through, but some of it's blocked. So in a sense, the way to full illumination is by facing the dark stuff and peeling it layer by layer. And with these tools I've just given, they can do that healing. There's also other wonderful modalities beyond what I offer. And another link from my healing post that I mentioned earlier on astroshaman.com is a link to a post called um, Shadow Work Resources U.S. and International. And I give a list of, of several different things, including breath work and shamanic ceremonies and mankind project and other things that are really wonderful at you know, clearing the heavy stuff within you that you can do proactively, usually in groups. So um, my own path has been not to wait. Oh, let me, there's one more piece I want to give around the healing tools. You can either wait to use these when discomfort arises, be reactive, or you can be proactive and make it a a regular practicing. I feel 100% wonderful, but I want to peel a layer again. I don't want to wait to get triggered out in the world. I want to just take this layer out on my own terms so I don't have to get bothered by it later. And even if you're feeling 100% great, you can say maximum healing that certifies good, please, or go to simple focus. And the divine always has the next layer of stuff cleared. I mean, queued up to be cleared. So even if you're feeling great, call the healing invocation if you got a few minutes. The divine will use whatever time you have available and do what it can. And you can be flushing layers all day if you want.
2: Thank you so and,
5: much. And, you know, just... You're welcome. So judge for yourself if that tool is the best or if the other resources I list outside of what I offer in that uh, shadow work post are better, you know, just use whatever is doing the best job.
2: We have about 60 seconds left with you, Benjamin. Please allow my audience to know how they can get in touch with you, find out more information about the Astro Shaman.
5: Sure. Just go to (laughs) astroshaman.com. And from there, you can find about all my services. I do astrology. I do shamanic healing. I do awakening activation. I have other specialized services. That's also, as I said, where you can find the free heal and awaken invocations I've been describing, where you can access Ease, the Embodied Awakening support experience, my free weekly program done by web or phone from anywhere in the world, absolutely free, where you can do the weekly stuff live, where you can go into the archive, currently about 90 recordings, and have the full power of all those events available anytime you want to download the mp3 or stream it um and there's other cool stuff there too i do a twice a month astrology forecast you can sign up for my newsletter from the home page and get that i have daily forecasts i post on facebook you can sign up get to that from the website as well i have the number one uh astrology audio podcast on itunes you can access it from there or go sign up on itunes i have a lot of stuff i offer and uh and I live to serve, so if any of the things I offer on astroshamma.com can help you, then please feel free to take advantage of them, whether it's a free service or a paid service or whatever you're called to do. Let me mention too, I guarantee my personal work, if we do a session and you don't feel it was helpful, it's free. I will not take money in advance, at the end I will ask was it helpful, if you say no, I don't charge. If you say yes, you can either pay full rate or use my sliding scale. So. I try to be really flexible. I want to serve a lot of people, and if my usual fee is not affordable, then the sliding scale is there for those who need a little uh, break on the cost.
2: Very nice. Benjamin, thank you so much for being on Space Out Radio tonight. I'm going to get you to hold on. Tomorrow night on the program, Ken Johnson, Brent Shepard, Conspiracy, NASA, the moon. Alien bases, UFOs. We want to thank everyone on our team. Everett Themer and Eric Markham from The Encounter. Jolene Lammers, web design. Catherine James, social media. Bob Davis, that handsome beard and intro voice. Kim Gandy, our Director of Business Development at Thomas McGowan in Sales. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll do this all in exactly 21 hours from now. Do me a favor, space travelers. Tell a friend, because without you, we're nothing. And we want to own the night. It's all up to you. Thank you.